Welcome to the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast on this Thursday, June 22nd, 2017 here on itsyourradio.com. I am your host, Brian Sinek. With me as always is the co-host, Ryan Matarao. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good today, man. How about you? Doing pretty good myself. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, before we get into all this stuff, of course, you can guys you guys can follow us on the social media um on twitter at royal ramble iyr you can like us on facebook facebook.com slash royal ramble wrestling also give us a follow on the instagram at royal ramble wrestling if you guys happen to miss us live here and it's your radio.com don't forget hit the subscribe button check us out on itunes and stitcher also leave us a rating we want to hear from you guys what do you think of our show do we do a good job are we not doing a good job let us know and to let you guys know, this will be our last episode of the month of June. There will not be an episode next week. Ryan is going to be on vacation, so no episode next week. Just giving you guys a heads up, and we're going to do a lot of talking on what's going on in the world of professional wrestling. we got to recap a lot. This past Sunday, we saw Money in the Bank, highly anticipated pay-per-view. Did it deliver? Some big stuff happened on that show. Of course, weekly recap, Raw, SmackDown Live, NXT. Give our thoughts on that. Raw continuing. To build up to their next pay-per-view, Great Balls of Fire, SmackDown Live, coming off the heels of Money in the Bank. Also, NXT, as we have some big things going on there. We had Aleister Black versus Cassius Ono. Uh, Roderick Strong versus Bobby Roode from the NXT Championship was made official. When's that going to go down? Plus, some more with NXT. More on the May Young Classic, as well as they have made announcements on some of the participants that are being in that tournament. Some big names right out of the gate. And we have a big weekend for you guys as well in professional wrestling. A lot is going on tomorrow night. Ring of Honor's next big pay-per-view event, Best in the World, is going down. Cody Rhodes versus Christopher Daniels for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Marty Skrull gets another opportunity to get his TV title back against Kushida. Young Bucks versus War Machine for the tag team titles. Jay Lethal versus Salas Young. Frankie Kazarian versus uh, Adam Hangman Page. Some big matches going on tomorrow night. We'll give our predictions for that. Also this weekend, two big shows for Evolve. Myself will be at Evolve 87 this Sunday, where Matthew Riddle will defend the WWN Championship versus Keith Lee. Zack Sabre Jr. will put the belt on the line twice this weekend, so we're going to give our thoughts, quick thoughts on that. And next weekend, of course, the G1 Special for New Japan Pro Wrestling goes down next weekend. We'll give our predictions for the Cody Rhodes-Okada match. Tanahashi versus Billy Gunn for the Intercontinental Championship. And, of course, the United States Championship bracket. We'll give our predictions on who is going to win that bracket. So, a lot's going on in this show. So, let's get started right away, Ryan, with uh, Money in the Bank. That took place this past Sunday in St. Louis. Um, we mentioned it on the show last week that this was going to be one of the more highly anticipated events of the year for the WWE. And we all thought, Ryan, that this was going to be a very good event. And uh, to be honest, I was not a big fan of the show. 
for reasons such as, of course, bad booking. But also at the same time, you know, the, the matches to me, there were some really good matches, but there were also a lot of poor matches that just did not deliver. Uh, we're going to start, of course, with the big positive of the show and the match that saved the show from being like a D or an F. And it was the final match, the Money in the Bank main event match. Was so freaking good. Really good stuff. Uh, right out of the gate was hot. You know, Nakamura is making his entrance, and here comes Baron Corbin. Attacks Nakamura. Nakamura has to go into the back for repairs to get checked on. Everyone thought he was not going to be in the matchup. And then the action took place. It got up to a slow start. But then I think the moment where Sami Zayn hit that sun uh, that sunset uh, flip power bomb on Dolph Ziggler. That's when the match started getting good because in the beginning, there were a lot of punches thrown at each other. Some spots with the ladder, not big spots, just a couple of spots where each guy was hitting each other with the ladder. But once Zayn hit that power bomb, that flip power bomb on Dolph Ziggler, which was a pretty damn cool spot, then the match got better. Then we started seeing some bigger spots with the ladder. Uh, everyone, you know, Baron Corbin, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, very well done in their part in this matchup all guys got the opportunity to shine good stuff there and then of course we have the spot where baron corbin knocks out every single person he's climbing the ladder and then bam nakamura's music hits and nakamura just goes on a freaking rampage kinshaza to corbin kinshaza to ziggler kinshaza to owens to Sami Zayn. he was kinshazing everybody that was probably the best we've seen out of Nakamura so far in the main roster, right? Nakamura's had a solid run so far, but we could still see better. That was probably the best we've seen from Nakamura. Just how dangerous he looked and how vicious he was with the Kinshasas. He looked like an animal in that ring. And then, of course, the spot that would be the most memorable spot in this match was when he and AJ Styles had their encounter for the first time. It was so cool. Staring at each other from across the ladder, they calmly... Just put the ladder away because they respected each other. They were going to go one-on-one. Tremendous stuff there. Back and forth action. Punches, kicks thrown at each other. AJ Styles hitting a big forearm. Nakamura delivering, of course, his vicious knees and kicks. The place was going crazy. And right there, Ryan, you just see, you know, when you had that interaction with uh, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, that just has to tell Vince McMahon that this has to be a match saved for WrestleMania. This is a WrestleMania match, all right? Even without this interaction that they had, this is a WrestleMania match. These are two of the biggest stars, not just in WWE, but in wrestling, period. All right, their Wrestle Kingdom match, at Wrestle Kingdom 10, was one of the best matches of last year and one of the greatest matches in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And now both these guys are here. They're the two biggest stars on SmackDown. This match has got to go down to WrestleMania. I still believe it's going to go down to WrestleMania, but don't get your hopes don't get your hopes up. Things can change every single time. It can. But right now, if you're Vince McMahon, you got to look, you got to sit there and look at the situation, and you just got to tell yourself, man, I can make a lot of money having AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania, and I, and I hope it happens because. The build-up will be fantastic. The fans will be excited for it. And it's going to be a great match because AJ and Nakamura have that chemistry. And these are two guys that just know how to put on a good match. But for going back to the Money in the Bank ladder match, no surprise with the winner. It's Baron Corbin. Some people were disappointed. I'm not. I, th I thought this was the right decision. The only other decision that would have made a lot more sense was Sami Zayn. But hey, Baron Corbin winning this 
briefcase, I'm excited for him. All right, He deserves it. Baron Corbin, since joining SmackDown after the brand split, has been very, very good. He's had his ups and downs, but for the most part, he's done some very good stuff. His in-ring work is getting better. His microphone skills are getting better. People are starting to take him a lot more seriously now as a big-time heel. And pretty soon, Ryan, he's going to become champion, all right? They're going to, he's got the briefcase. He's going to become champion. When that's going to happen, I'm not so sure. But it's going to happen very, very soon, some point over the year. And good for Baron Corbin. This guy has a tremendous story. He's a former NFL football player, retires, joins NXT. Long run for him to, to work his way up, but he found a character. It worked out well for him with the Lone Wolf. He was booked very well in NXT. Big guy, he's got a very good look, and then joined the main roster. He's been very, very solid, and now it's his opportunity to take that next big step. So I'm happy for Baron Corbin. Again, it, Sami Zayn also would have been a great pick. I was surprised that Sami was in the match, but guess what, Ryan? Great to see them give the opportunity to Sami Zayn because I thought there was a great possibility that they were going to take out Sami Zayn out of this matchup and put a guy like Rusev in it. But I'm happy they did not because Sami Zayn needed this opportunity and. You can make a case, Ryan, that out of all the performers in this matchup, who looked the best? Sami Zayn, to me, stood out. He looked fantastic in this match. And to me, that's not a surprise because Sami Zayn has a long, rich history of ladder matches. Dating back to PWG, dating back to Ring of Honor, and even some stuff here in WWE. The guy knows how to work a ladder match. The spots he pulled off, his selling was tremendous. This could be a coming out party for Sami Zayn. He looked fantastic in this matchup. So I'm very happy that they did not decide to take him out for Rusev. They kept him in the match, and he stood out. But in the very end, a fantastic matchup. Again, slow start, but as the match went on, it picked up. Some great spots in the match. Kevin Owens took some big bumps. Ziggler took some big bumps. Everyone took some big bumps. He had the Nakamura-AJ Styles interaction, which was fantastic. And to me... The booking on this match was very, very strong. Corbin winning it made a lot of sense, and I'm happy for him. And we shall see, Ryan, where we go from here in regards to Baron Corbin. When will he cash in the briefcase? When will he become WWE champion? I'm not so sure, but this guy, Baron Corbin, definitely deserves the opportunity to hold this briefcase and down the road become the next WWE champion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's endless amount of possibilities in different directions uh, that they can go with this. And I'm definitely intrigued by it. Like you said, we predicted this, and I think a lot of people did as well. I think Baron Corbin was definitely uh, the favorite from the start. You know, you knew coming into the year 2017, this guy was going to have a big year. And, uh, you know, there's no better you know way to jumpstart that career by winning money in the bank and then you know obviously we all know how that goes down it's basically your sneak attack you know uh type situation where you can just come in out of nowhere and attack the champion or come in when the champion is hurt and uh you know battered down and you could just come in catch in the briefcase and become champion easily so we've seen that happen before baron corbin is definitely uh the guy that deserves deserves the briefcase i think you know like you said you can make a case for Sami Zayn as well but you know what, to me, Sami Zayn just, he just, he stands out, he's a great competitor, and I've said this numerous times before, but to me, he's just not a main event star, and they have not done enough with him on the main roster 
for me to believe that he could become a champion, like a WWE champion. I think a mid-card belt suits, suits great for him, but not the WWE championship. When I look at Baron Corbin, I definitely see WWE champion written all over the guy. So congratulations to him. Like you said, he definitely deserves it. The match was tremendous, too. I mean, this is what a Money in the Bank ladder match should be. It had everything. It had the exciting spots, uh, you know, the great action, and it furthered future storylines, in my opinion, because, like you just mentioned, the AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura face-off is what everybody was talking about. It was one of the biggest, uh, you know, highlights of that match when those two were in the ring together alone. Uh, you know, first they just show Nakamura, and then the camera goes right over to AJ Styles, and wow, I mean, they, they both pick up the ladder, they move it slowly, and then they just face off, like you said, Brian. This is, you know, probably the best in this match that we've seen Shinsuke Nakamura since he became, you know, a member of the main roster. This is the most comfortable to me that he's looked. I mean, he was he was going at it with everybody, uh, but obviously, you know, he knows AJ Styles best, and AJ Styles knows him best from their days in New Japan. So this is going to be a future match down the line, whether they want it to be uh, right now. Uh, at SummerSlam, or I think they should wait until WrestleMania next year, which is what a lot of people are saying as well. But if they wanted to test the waters with, with this, you know, with these two in the same ring together going at it, uh, you know, it got a huge reaction from the crowd, a lot of reaction online. So I think it was a win-win, and this definitely has to happen at some point in the future, and I think it definitely will. But uh, also, like you said, the sunset flip from Sami Zayn uh, to Dolph Ziggler on the ladder, that was another insane spot. I mean, Kevin Owens, congrats and kudos to him. I mean, he was taking all the big bumps in this match uh, on the ladder and stuff. And uh, like you said, Sami Zayn is probably one of the guys that really uh, showed what he can do in ladder matches. Like you said, he is a pro when it comes to these things. He's been in a plenty of them before, and he really stood out the most. I do like Baron Corbin sneak attacking uh, Shinsuke Nakamura in the beginning and having Nakamura come in uh, mid-match. I think yeah, you know the excitement level was high at that point. Uh, but ultimately, like you said, Brian... We're talking about Baron Corbin winning this match. Like you said, definitely deserves it. It sets up for an exciting future or a couple of months uh, ahead. I think, you know, definitely with John Cena coming back and Jinder Mahal still the champion. There's numerous different ways that they can go, and I'm definitely intrigued by it. So I think, like you said uh, in the beginning of the show, this match saved the pay-per-view in my opinion because up until this point i was very disappointed but this match kind of helped it a little bit so it ended it on a good note so i guess that's a good thing look my overall grade for this show is c plus and the reason why i went c plus because of this main event if the main event wasn't that good it would have been a d or an f that's how poor the rest of the show was and we'll get right into it right now starting off with the other Money in the Bank ladder match, the women's match, which kicked off the show, which I agree with. Again, you want a hot start to the show, kick it off with the women. Happy they went that route. The match itself was solid. Again, you know, it's tough for these women to try to do too much in this match because, look, this is the first time women are getting the opportunity to use a ladder. So it's really um, an unusual spot for these girls. But I thought they did a solid job. There were some really good spots in this match. But what hurt the match was the finish, where, you know, we all knew Ellsworth was going to get involved. That was a no-brainer. If he was going to be on the outside for the entire match, we all knew he was going to get involved. And I had no problem with him getting involved. And, you know, Becky Lynch is climbing up the ladder. Here comes Ellsworth. He pushes the ladder. And then when that happened, I thought Carmella was going to get up, climb the ladder, and get the briefcase. But that's not what we got. Instead, though, Ellsworth climbs the ladder 
He grabs the briefcase and he drops it to Carmella and the match is over. Now, I thought there was a good possibility that Shane McMahon would come out and say no, restart the match. But they did not do that. And, of course, we saw what happened this past Tuesday. And I'm happy that they were going to get a second rematch for this because, let's be honest, a match like that, a history-making matchup where the women just continue to change the game than the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match for the women, it deserves a better finish than that. I mean, really, how could you not? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with the with the winner because there were definitely some people that said, oh, why Carmella? She didn't need to win. Yes, she does, all right? This is a match that should be saved for people that need to take the next step, all right? Charlotte, Becky Lynch, they do not need to win this matchup. They're always going to be in the title picture because they're too big. They're just big enough to be in it. Charlotte is the best on SmackDown. Plain and simple. There's no comparison. She's the best female performer on SmackDown. Becky Lynch, to me, is the second. And then you can throw out Naomi, Natalia, whatever you want to do. But Becky Lynch and Charlotte are the two are the two best performers from that division on SmackDown. They do not need to win this match. This should be a match used to elevate new stars. And that's what they're trying to do with Carmella. They're trying to elevate her to become the next big star in the women's division. Now, am I a big fan of Carmella? No, I'm not. All right? I still need to see more from her. Now, I will tell you this, though. Her promo from SmackDown Live that kicked off the show was fantastic. And hopefully, that's the beginning of her rise to become a superstar in this company. But she's not there yet. But the finish of this matchup was just not good. All right? You cannot have a a male uh, performer... Be the one to bring the briefcase down. You just can't do it, all right? It doesn't look good on Carmella's part. And it's just and it's just stupid that you have this historic match end that way. Now, look, if this was like the seventh women's Money in the Bank ladder match and this happened, okay, I'll be fine with it. The problem is, Orion, this is not the seventh match. This is the very first match. This is a history-making matchup, and you have a male performer who wasn't even in the match... Win it, it's just not a good look. It's a very, very poor, crappy finish, all right? They could have found a better way to end this matchup. But again, they did this so they can do what they did on Tuesday. Have some controversy and then set up a second women's ladder match. I'm not sure why they're going this route, but that's why they did it. They want to set up a second women's ladder match and they want to create some intrigue. Is it a little bit intriguing they went this route? Maybe, but still, it's a poor finish and it's not a good look, all right? You're going to have five women wrestle for this briefcase. A female participant has got to be the one to bring the briefcase down, not a male performer. Again, the match itself was solid. It wasn't great. It was solid. And I didn't expect it to be great because, again, it's a new, different look for the women. All right, These women have never been in a ladder match, so it's going to be very different for them. But I thought they did a very solid job in utilizing the ladder match. But what hurt the match in a big way, Ryan, was the finish. The finish was not good whatsoever. Again, I see why they did it because they want to set up a second matchup. They want to create some tension, some intrigue. But again, a first ever women's Money in the Bank ladder match, you cannot have the match end that way. And that was the biggest reason why this match was a disappointment because the finish was very, very poor. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it either. And of course, this has gotten a lot of backlash and controversy from everybody on social media. You know what? I understand why they do the things that they do sometimes. 
Um, you know, it's, it's for storyline purposes, all right? This is a show. This is a never-ending show, basically, the, the WWE. I'm not just talking about SmackDown or Money in the Bank. I'm talking about WWE as a whole. It is a machine that goes year-round, year every single week. It takes no off-season. So to further storylines and, you know, to maybe, you know, buy some time for like a week or so because it's still, you know, a month before the next pay-per-view, a little bit over a month or the next uh, SmackDown pay-per-view. So I guess they have to drag this out a little bit uh, instead of just jumping right into the new storylines that are going to happen uh, later on. So I understand. But, yeah, like you said, him going up there, him climbing the ladder and retrieving the briefcase and throwing it down, that is the problem. What I don't I don't care that he got involved. Like you said, Brian, we all expected him to get involved. I mean, if he's standing out there, he's going to get involved. We've seen this numerous times before. But I I think there was different ways that he could have gotten involved. He could have I don't know if Becky Lynch was climbing the ladder that Carmella was on. Okay, just say the it's just the two of them on the ladder. He could have came in and he could have held Becky Lynch down. He could have grabbed her leg and prevented her from climbing anymore and could have allowed Carmella to go up there and retrieve it. Heck, he could have put Carmella on his shoulders. I don't know why he would do that, but the, um, it's, the point is he could have helped in a better way than actually going up there and grabbing it. I think everybody wanted to see a woman go up there and retrieve the briefcase and, you know, be crowned, you know, Miss Money in the Bank. I think that's what we were all looking for because WWE put so much hype and effort and emphasis into the, you know, the history-making first-ever Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. That's why it was a disappointment. But again, like you said, I don't know why they're doing this either, but we're getting another one next week on free TV on SmackDown Live. We're getting another Money in the Bank ladder match with the women, and Ellsworth is supposedly banned from ringside. I'm not convinced about that. I think he'll still come down in some fashion. But again, you know, like you said, Carmella's promo on, on Tuesday on SmackDown was tremendous. Uh, everything that she said, too. Because going back, you know, years ago in the Money in the Bank ladder matches, we've seen people help other people win these matches. I think it's just people are outraged because this was the first ever women's match and a guy grabbed the briefcase. We've been seeing guys grab the briefcase since the Money in the Bank ladder match was born. We wanted to see a woman do it, and that's not what we got. So again, I understand, but some people, let me, let me tell you, Brian, some people are taking this way, way too seriously. I mean, some of the things I'm looking at on, on social media, people saying this, this degrades women. Oh, my God, they're disrespecting the women by having a man go up there and grab it. Oh, my God, how could they be so disrespectful? This ain't disrespectful. These women know. They, these women don't care. This is an act. This is a fake fight. This is scripted. They know what's coming. They understand that this is for storyline purposes. This is not something that they've been training for for six months because it's a big time money match it's all a show it's all an act and we've seen you know we've seen you know women managers okay we see maurice managing the miz she helps him win matches all the time this is the first time in a long time that we see a guy helping a girl carmella you know is is command james ellsworth is helping carmella on Carmella's command. It's not the other way around. So basically the guy is doing all of her dirty work. So how is that disrespecting women? It's not. Again, for storyline purposes, it created controversy. It got a lot of buzz. People were pissed. People hate James Ellsworth. And that is the point. Because you're supposed to hate him. And you're supposed to hate the way that match finished. So uh, like as for the match itself, like you said, it was okay. It wasn't great. 
I didn't expect it to be great. A little sloppy here and there, but again, you know, it's, this is the women's first ever shot uh, in a ladder match, so you really can't fault them for that. Uh, I thought there was going to be a couple more big-time spots. I think, you know, they could have done one big spot in that match that really made it memorable, but they didn't do that. Uh, again, we'll see what we get next week since we're getting another one. So, again, the whole big deal about the first ever women's money in the bank, that's all going to go away because now we're getting the second one. So, mm -hmm. uh, again, over time, too, over the next couple of years, I think this will be a yearly thing. People are going to forget about the first one and how history-making it was in the first place. So, yeah, controversial finish, but I, I think it'll play out nicely. We've already seen it play out pretty good on smackdown this past week and that was not you know the worst part you know there were other bad parts on the show i mean back with to the women naomi versus lana for the women's championship um again you know i said that lana has an opportunity to show what she's made of and again she was okay but nothing special and i'm not gonna sit here and say all oh, she sucks because look you know she doesn't have a lot of experience in the ring she's just started wrestling Give her some time. I thought she looked solid, but they're... I just felt they put Lana in a bad situation, all right? She is an unfinished product, and they put her in a title match. That is not good, because when you're a fan and you see Lana in a title match this quickly, people think that, oh, she's an established wrestler. Maybe she's drastically improved. I'm excited to see what, she, what she's going to do. And once she doesn't deliver, people are not going to like her that much. They rushed this, all right? I get it. They wanted to put Naomi on the show, but really, did you have to put Lana in that situation? She's not ready for this opportunity. She's nowhere near ready, all right? She has a lot of work to do. Again, she's got some potential, all right? She's got a great look, and if she can really be good in the ring, she will get pushed to the moon because Vince will push her because of her looks. He's done it before with other performers in the past, specifically someone like Sable. Not the best of wrestlers, but she got such a big push because she was hot. And Lana could be in that same position, but they didn't put her in the right position this time because you can just tell that she was just she's just not ready. Again, she was okay but, again, she is nowhere near, you know, that good yet because she's still developing. She's still going to NXT. She's still putting on matches at live events, which is the right move, all right? If you're really, if you're really serious about her being an in-ring competitor, let her have her matches in NXT. Let her work on live events. That's a good move on their part. But to rush her in this position just like that... That's a, that's a bad job on their part, all right? They rushed her in this position, and you can't do that, all right? And again, I just think the only reason why they did that because they wanted to put Naomi on the show. I, they know that Lana's not ready, all right? If they think they know she's ready, then they're out of their minds because you can just tell, Ryan, she's not ready, all right? Yes, she's hot. The fans like her. But if you're not good enough in the ring, you're not ready. Again... You can have the looks, you can have the charisma, but if you don't deliver in the ring, people are not going to stick with you. You gotta be good in the ring. Look at Eva Marie. She was hot. She had a good character. She can talk. What killed her, Ryan? Her in-ring work. She was brutal to watch. And I'm not going to sit here and say Lana's going to be the same thing because I definitely see more in her because Lana has more passion than Eva Marie. You can just tell that Eva Marie just didn't have the passion. She didn't put the work in. Lana's putting the work in, and I'm happy she's doing that. She wants to get better. Look at her tweet. After the match was over, she went out on Twitter and said, I know it wasn't my best, but I'm going to keep working hard. I like that. It shows you that Lana has passion, that she cares. So that's good to see. But to be honest, Ryan... 
It wasn't a great match, and I don't blame Lana because she wasn't ready. She's just not in that. She should not be in that type of position. I did not agree with the decision to put her in this match. I mean, you thought Lana was gonna win, Ryan. I just couldn't see it because she's just not ready. All right, Naomi is far and away better than her, and she should still be champion. So, and again, also. With Carmella winning the briefcase, you you just knew that Naomi was winning the matchup, all right? Again, because there was also the possibility that Carmella was going to cash it in, and she did come out. She teased it. I'm happy that she she did not cash it in because it would have been a little bit awkward. But still, though, again, the match was not great, but I'm not going to put blame on either performer because, look, Naomi is tough for her to try to carry the matchup, and it's a tough position for Lana to be in because she wasn't ready, all right? She's not a finished product. She still has lots to learn, lots to grow, and again, I'm happy she's got the passion for it, and this is not her fault. This is creator's fault. This is Vince's fault for putting her in this position, and she's getting a rematch. Why is she getting a rematch? Let her go back to NXT and continuing to work on her aiming skills. She's just not there yet. You can just tell she's not comfortable yet. She's not going with the flow. And again, it's not her fault. She is just learning. All right. It's not like she's been doing this for three years and that she's still not good enough. That's Eve Marie. All right. She's been, Eve Marie was working on her aiming skills for three years and she still sucked. Lana just started. Give her some time. Take your time with her. Because again, with her looks, with her charisma, Lana does have potential. But you can't rush this. You really can't. And I and I and that was the problem with this match, Ryan. They put her in a position that she was not ready for. Again, you know, this is a women's championship match. You're fighting for the top prize on the show for the women. You can't put her in that position. It's way too early, and it affected the matchup. The matchup wasn't that great. But again, not the talent's fault. Naomi, it's a tough position for her to carry the match. And for Lana, she just wasn't ready for that spot. And I'm not happy she's getting this rematch. Again, let her go back to NXT. Let her do the live events. Let her work on her aiming skills. And then when she's ready, then bring her back up. No need to rush the process. And that was the problem with this matchup. They rushed it. And it wound up being a very poor matchup for both women. Yeah, I mean, I kind of expected that. Uh, you know, I thought they were going to give Lana a fluke victory because I thought there was going to be a possibility of a cash-in. I just didn't think that they were going to really, you know, have a woman walk around with the Money in the Bank briefcase since we're going to have a guy walking around with it. I figured they'd get the women's one out of the way, and we'd see a new champion. I mean, we've seen Naomi, you know, she's been champion for a couple of months now. Uh, even before she got injured, uh, she was champion for a little bit. Uh, obviously, if Lana won it, there was no chance in hell she was going to get a long title run because she just started, like you said. Uh, it's a work in progress with her. And, uh, you know, I, basically in the, in the beginning part of the match, I was just waiting for her to do an actual wrestling move. I mean, she did not do one, uh, you know, actual move until like mid-match. I mean, she basically just kept slamming Naomi down and kicking her, and, and it was brutal. I mean, it was pretty obvious that uh, Lana really didn't have it in her. I mean, again, I, without even seeing her do one move, uh, I could tell that she just is not ready for this yet. Like you said, she has potential. She does. I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't totally call her an Eva Marie 2.0 yet. Uh, you know, right now she is on Sunday. Her performance on Sunday looked like Eva Marie a little bit, but uh, I, I, again, you you said she has potential. I agree with you. I think she does. She has the look. She has the character. Uh, of course, the Russian accent. She's been around for a while now. I mean, Eva Marie wasn't around for a while. We basically just saw her on the reality show. Lana, we've seen with Rusev for quite some time. So 
Uh, I think, you know, again, the fans will get into her, but she just has to keep training a little bit more, work harder. And it is intriguing that she's getting a rematch next week. I did not expect that either. Uh, but it is also interesting that we're getting a Money in the Bank uh, ladder match rematch next week as well. So do we see somebody cash in next week? I'm not so sure because after Lana is done with this uh, whole Naomi thing, where does she go? What does she do? Does she feud with somebody else? Like, they just basically threw her right into the big-time feud for the Women's Championship. And now, if she loses the second match to Naomi next week, which you would assume she does, even if, you know, what I said was going to happen on Sunday, even if she gets a fluke victory, you know somebody's going to cash in on her. So, I mean, I just don't know where you go from Lana after this is all said and done. So we'll see how she gets booked uh, in the next coming weeks and months. But, yeah, not an overall great performance. But, again, you got to cut her a couple, you know, some slack because she's just not ready for, for this yet, and you could tell. Yeah, she, you could just tell that she just wasn't ready for the moment. And it's not her fault because, you know, again, she's still working, and you can tell she's got the passion, but she's just not there yet. So I'm not happy they rushed this, but that's something that, Vince McMahon does a lot. He rushes people that are not ready. He's done it before, and he will continue to do it because that's what that's what Vince McMahon does. Uh, for the rest of the show, uh, Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal, boring match. I uh, nothing to me stood out in that matchup. Again, the the ending segment to me also killed the match. It was a it was a similar ending to the first match where Randy Orton is on the outside. He's destroying the Singh brothers, putting them through tables. I mean, yeah, this time he did some different stuff, like he RKO'd one of the Singh brothers through the table. But you you know what I mean? He did a similar thing to the first match. He took out the Singh brothers on the outside, and then once he stepped into the inside of the ring, here comes Mahal. The Colossus, bam, matches over just like that again. Just lazy writing. You gotta come up with a better finish than that. This is the second matchup. This is gonna be one of the final matches that these two guys have with each other. You need to have a different ending. You can't repeat the same ending. Now, of course, they added the whole Bob Warren situation, which again, I'm you know, I'm not a fond I'm not fond of it. I don't care. It doesn't really make a difference to me. They wanted to add some drama, and that's what led to Randy Orton going off on a rampage because the same brother attacked his father. But still though, I mean a similar ending to the first match. I mean, come on. You can do better than that. And I just thought the match itself was boring. I mean, yeah, both guys worked hard. They tried to do their best, but it was boring. Nothing stood out to me. And just and having the same finish as the one at Backlash hurt the match even more to me. So, was not a fan of that match. Uh, the Usos and the New Day had a tremendous matchup. But again, the ending hurt the matchup. You know, the back and forth was great. Their near falls were great. I mean... I didn't really know who was going to win. I, I thought I was convinced New Day was going to win when they hit their finisher. And then here comes, I think it was Jey Uso who pulled his brother's leg out of the ring. I'm like, holy shit, what a spot that was. And then the Usos hit their finisher and the New Day kick out of it. Great back and forth stuff. These two teams have tremendous chemistry. But you end the match on a double count out. I mean, yes, I get it. They want to continue the storyline. But come on. I mean, there was one spot in the match where, what, I think it was it was one of the Uso brothers. They they rolled up Big E, and he was holding his tights. You could have ended the match that way. That's a form of cheating. Holding the tights of the other opponent, that's cheating. They could have ended it that way. You didn't have to do a double countout. Again, that's a way for WWE to continue the story. But a good match like that does not deserve that ending. It was really, really good. But to end it on a double countout... Very, very poor stuff. And that was pretty much it for, for Money in the Bank, right? It was a show that I was really looking forward to. Uh, high uh, high expectations because you have two ladder matches and some other good matches on the show. 
And other than the main event match, the show did not deliver. And for the most part, because of booking. And of course, also, you know, the Lana Naomi match didn't deliver. To me, the Or Mahal match did not deliver. And they also had the um, the Ascension Fashion Police match, which this makes no sense. So you have the Ascension attack Tyler Breeze. You made this into such a big deal, only to have the Ascension lose. I mean, yes, I love my Fashion Police, but if you want to really make this Ascension team serious, have them win the freaking matchup, all right? You have them attack Tyler Breeze. They're trying to make a statement. And they could, and they still couldn't beat the Fashion Police. That's how much of a joke the Ascension are. And it's not their fault, all right. I like Connor. I like Victor. Their stuff in NXT was tremendous, but it's just been the booking of these guys has been horrendous. And I don't understand why these guys are big. They're good looking. They have tremendous chemistry, and they have no clue what to do with them. And and I I've said this before on the show. The biggest problem, the biggest mistake they made with the Ascension was when they had him debut on Raw, and you have him coming out, dressing him like the Road Warriors, saying that they're going to be better than the Road Warriors. That was the worst thing you can do. Have them be their own characters. Because when they walk out with the black and the red, with the face paint, people are going to look at them and say, oh, they are a Road Warrior ripoff. And that should not be the case. Make them their own characters. That was the biggest mistake that they made. And the worst thing that they did also was when... They had that altercation with the NWO, and then here come the New Age Outlaws, and then the APA, and those two teams who, again, their days are over. They should not be wrestling anymore. They squashed the Ascension. That was the worst thing they could ever do because it hurt the image of the Ascension. So overall, Ryan, the show was a disappointment. Again, the main event match was tremendous, but for the rest of the show, very, very poor. And it's disappointing because this was a show that I thought was going to be really good. And, you know, it's tough these days to see a good pay-per-view with WWE because, you know, the booking has been so poor. And I sat there and said, you know what, I think the show's going to be really, really good. And it wasn't, and for the same reason, because the booking was poor. So, I don't know what the hell happened, again, other than the main event match. The rest of the show was not good, and that sucks because this show should be good. It's money in the bank. It's one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year for WWE. And they had a great match list for them, and they still couldn't make a good show. That's a big problem. They gotta be better with their booking. I can't say it anymore. They gotta be better with their booking, and that's what hurt the show. The booking was not good, other than the main event match, and that's something that WWE really has to fix with their shows. Their booking has got to be better. Yeah, definitely. And you know, again, you know, with the WWE network nowadays, I feel like WWE has gotten even lazier with the you know uh, creative team here because. If this was a pay-per-view, you know, a couple of years ago where you still had to pay, what was it, 50 bucks for a pay-per-view? I mean, I used to order a lot of them. They used they just come out to like $55 for, you know, the HD pay-per-view. And I remember always begging my mom if I could order it. And, you know, again, it's, it's not cheap, you know? So for a match to end this way, if we're talking like a couple of years ago where you had to buy the pay-per-view for that much, then, you know, that's, that's worth, you know, the complaints. But I guess nowadays we just have to come to grips with the reality that the WWE Network has it basically just caused everybody to become even more lazy because they can afford to do these finishes because everybody has the network basically and you're only paying $9.99 and you get uh, so much other content on the network. You don't just get these pay-per-views. You get all these other documentaries. You get all this other content from years ago. You get all these different you know stupid shows that they got on there. 
So it, it doesn't really matter, you know. Again, you know, if people complain that you know about the finish or whatever, you're only paying nine ninety nine, and you're not even just paying for just that event. You're paying for everything altogether. So I feel like that has caused a lot of the creative writers to become lazy when it comes to these finishes, because like you said. Usos and uh, New Day had a fantastic tag team match. I was into that. Uh, God, there was so many times I thought the New Day were going to win, like you said, Brian. Uh, so many times. I didn't think the Usos even had a, had a shot. I didn't even think they had a chance to win any at any point in the match. All the false finishes came where the New Day were pinning them. Uh, so I thought they were going to just give the New Day the titles right off the bat. And then all of a sudden, the Usos just have enough, and that's it. It's a disqualification, and they walk out with the championships. Uh, again... They could have done this a different way, like you said, could have cheated a different way. We knew they were going to cheat to win or, or do something like that. I mean, you knew they were going to hold on to the titles. They're going to drag this thing out for a couple of months. But again, a double count out. You never want to see that when you're watching a wrestling show. But like I said, this is basically just a glorified SmackDown Live, and it's on Sunday instead of a Tuesday. That's what the pay-per-views have come down to nowadays. Uh, Randy Orton, Jinder Mahal, same thing. Boring, stupid, and lazy. Like you said, it's the same exact thing as Backlash. I thought I was literally watching Backlash over again when Randy Orton's attacking the Singh brothers. He basically did the same exact thing to them, too, by flipping them over the desk, over the announce table, and then basically Jinder just coming in out of nowhere and winning the match. It's the same thing. And it looks like this feud is, is not over yet. It's probably drag on until the next pay-per-view. But let me tell you, Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton, they definitely need a stipulation to this next match because I cannot see another one-on-one -on -one between these two. Because like you said, Brian, it was boring. I mean, part of the reason, because I knew Jinder was going to win. But again, I just it's boring. And the addition of, you know, Bob Orton, to, you know, uh, the Singh brothers going after him. Okay, it was a nice touch. It was a reason for Randy Orton to get out of the ring and go after them. But again, ultimately, he did the same exact thing he did at Backlash. So, again, they just pissed him off even more. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically it for Money in the Bank, like you said. Uh, Mike and Maria did debut as well. Uh, you know, whatever. I'm going to wait and see how this plays out before I judge. Again, a lot of people are getting all on them about how stupid the gimmick was, how dumb the song was, and how, how pussy-whipped Mike, uh, Mike Canellis looked. Again, let this play out a little bit. I mean, we didn't see them on SmackDown Live. We only saw them at Money in the Bank. So before I judge, I'm going to see how this plays out, where they go with this. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens. I'm just happy to see Mike Bennett and Maria back in the WWE. I think those are two great additions to the uh, SmackDown roster. So, yeah, that's basically Money in the Bank in a nutshell. Uh, I'm with you with that about Maria and Mike. First of all, I'm, I'm excited that both are there. I mean, they're both – they have great chemistry together because, of course, they're husband and wife. But – I agree with you. I'm gonna sit out and play. I'm gonna sit and play this out to see where they go with this. But do I have good feelings about it? From my first impression, I thought it was a little bit weird. I mean, you know, the whole love angle stuff and oh my god, I love you so much, babe. Blah 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 blah. blah. You know what I mean? It just looks kind of weird because I, maybe it's just because I watched Mike and Maria for so long together in Ring of Honor and TNA, and this is not what they did. So I'm not sure what to make of it, but I'm hoping it's going to work out well because Mike's a very good talent. We all know how good Maria is and her history with WWE. So I agree with you. I'm going to sit out. I'm going to sit and play this out. But my first impression wasn't that great, but you never know. Things can change in the next coming weeks. So there's your money in the bank talk. Uh, let's move on to Raw and what happened on Raw this past Monday. Uh, pretty active Raw. A lot of big stuff took place, uh, first and foremost, we got to start off with the, the ending segment and uh, the big reveal. Who attacked Enzo Amore and to the shock of no one, well, to some, but not me. I'm not shocked at all that this was the guy. It was Big Cass. I mean, a lot of people thought when that, you know, a couple of weeks ago when 
Cass was attacked in the back, and people were like, oh, it can't be Cass, you know, and he just got attacked. And I said it, Ryan, I said it on the show. You guys can look back at it, of course, every one of our shows are up on iTunes and Stitcher. I said they're playing with us, all right? Raw is trying to make you guys think it's not Cass with this spot where he got banged up. No, I said there's a plot twist. I'm telling you, Big Cass did it himself. And look what happened. You have all the guys in the ring, all the suspects, Big Show, The Revival, and they had Enzo and Cass. Kurt Angle was in the middle of the ring. And then Corey Graves said, I got video footage. And what's the video footage? Big Cass faking the attack, like I said on this show. And then Big Cass finally says, yes, you're damn right I did it. Uh, what do I think about the split up? Again, I think it's a little bit too early. I, Because I, part of me still wishes that both guys could have had at least one reign as tag team champions. But you just knew, Ryan, that it was never going to happen. You just knew that was never going to happen. It didn't happen in NXT. And with the Hardy Boys back, with Cesaro and Sheamus together, with, with Anderson and Gallows there... You just knew that there really isn't a realistic possibility that Enzo and Cass are going to win these belts. And and we all know Vince McMahon has his love affair of the big guys. And and I told you, that match that Big Cass had back in August, that fatal four-way elimination match between him, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Roman Reigns to determine a new Universal Champion. The way Big Cass looked in that matchup, you can you can just see that Vince McMahon saw dollar signs in Big Cass and that he was going to give him a push. The question then became when then if, all right? It's more of when he's going to get that push than if because we all know Big Cass with his hot with his size, with his charisma is going to get a push. And we're at that point now where he's going to get a singles push. And in terms of the long-term future Ryan, I do think Big Cass has Great potential to be a big-time star. Again, he's got a good look. He's big. He's solid in the ring. He can cut a promo. His future to me looks fine. As for Enzo Amore, I don't see it with this guy. All right, There's rumors already going around that he's going to get moved to 205 Live. Don't do that. All right, Look, the guy's a bad wrestler. It's going to be even worse when he steps in the ring with a TJ Perkins, with a Tony Nese, with a Kira Tozawa, with a Neville, with an Austin Aries. Guys that know how to wrestle are going to make him look foolish. They really are. If you want to use Enzo Amore to the best of his ability, make him a manager. Now, who should he manage? I'm not sure. You can pick any freaking person, but... Enzo Amore's future is to be a manager, not a wrestler. If they put him in 205 Live, that's a big mistake. He will get embarrassed even more because he's at, he's working with legitimate wrestlers. Again, TJ Perkins is a fantastic wrestler. Neville is fantastic. Tony Nese, fantastic. Tazawa's fantastic. Cedric Alexander is fantastic. Enzo Amore cannot lace up those guys' boots. All right, He is a horrible wrestler. The only reason why he's here, and he's admitted before on the Steve Austin podcast, he's lucky that he's here because of his promo skills. He said it. He cut a promo. He took a video of himself cutting a promo, which was very freaking good. Triple H saw it, and he said, you know what? We're going to give this guy a tryout, see how he fares. And they said, all right, he's not going to work as a singles guy. Let's put him with somebody that can work with him. And Big Cass was that guy, and it worked out very well. But over time, they were going to split up. Enzo Mori is just not going to work out as a singles guy. He's just not. And he knows it. He knows he's not going to work out as a singles guy. So, 
to utilize this guy to the best of his ability, you got to turn him into a manager. Because that's the best way he could be a star. Because he can talk. That's the strength of Enzo Amore. His strength is not his wrestling. He's not a good wrestler. He's not good at taking bumps. He can't sell. And he can't do anything special in the ring. What makes Enzo so fun to watch, though, is his talk is his talking skills. He can cut a promo better than anybody. All right, he is that good. His rhymes are good. His, his the way he says it's very very good. The tone of his voice is very strong. He can cut a promo. And with him cutting a promo, guess what? Make him a manager, not a wrestler. But that's the rumor right now. He's supposed to face Big Cass at Great Balls of Fire. Okay, you need to have a match with these two guys. Not going to be a great match, but still, have a match, get get it over with. And then after that match, from what we're hearing, is he's going to 205 Live. Big mistake. Can't do that with Enzo Mori. He's got to be a manager. But for the segment itself, Ryan, it was good. The way Cass was yelling at uh, Enzo Mori, saying that you held me back. Your mouth just got me into trouble. There was no way I can win Tekken Gold with you because you just never shut up. And Enzo's reaction, by the way, was fantastic. The, the, the shock on his face. And then you saw in his right eye the little tear that came down. That was fantastic. Tremendous job by Enzo Mori to sell that. Very, very good stuff. Big Cass ripping into Enzo Mori. The way he did was really, really good. Ending it with a big boot. Fantastic stuff. That was a great way to end the show. Really, really good stuff. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with Big Cass as a singles guy. Surprised he's doing it as a heel. But, again, we'll see how it goes. But for Enzo Amore, again, Vince, you cannot have this guy in 205 Live. The guy can't wrestle. And he will get embarrassed when he steps in the ring with a Tony Nese and a Tazawa and a Brian Kendrick. You can't do it. They will make him look foolish. Because they're so well-established in the ring that... It's not going to look good with Enzo Mori. If you want to make this guy a superstar, you want to make this guy a big-time part of your show weekly, him being a manager is the way to go. Again, who is he going to manage? I don't know. Again, it's up for debate who he should manage. But if you want to make this guy a big-time star, talking about Enzo Amore, got to be a manager. You cannot have him in the ring. He's just not good enough. So, again, it was a great segment, I thought. Good stuff. And again, some people thought it was going to be the Revival that was going to be the ones to attack Enzo. And I said it on the show as well. That's too obvious. All right. Yes, it could work. The Revival attack Enzo and Big Cass. You start a story with them. But if you wanted to make this story interesting, it had to be Big Cass. And I'm happy they roll with Big Cass. Because if they did the Revival, Ryan, yeah, I would have been happy. But I would have sat there and said, oh, that's obvious. You know, yeah, yeah I could have wrote that. that. That's plain and simple. This time around, WWE did something interesting, having Big Cass be the one to attack Enzo Amore to create their split up. Again, it was a little bit too early, but you can just tell Ryan that this was going to happen. They were never going to win the tag team titles. It was going to happen, and it happened right now. And we'll see where this goes with both guys. Again, with Big Cass, he has a big future ahead of him as a singles guy for Enzo Amore. The best way to utilize him is his microphone skills as a manager. As an in-ring competitor, he's not going to work out. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the segment was very, very good. I'm really surprised they did this so early, though. I thought they were going to at least drag it out a couple more weeks, um, but I guess not. I guess they want to have these guys feuding right off the bat, which I don't have a problem with. Again, they basically uh, did everything that they could leading up to this. I mean, a cast getting attacked twice, 
uh, Enzo getting attacked. So, you know what? It made sense, I guess. Uh, and then the big reveal, obviously, like you said, surprise to some people and not a surprise to some people that it ended up being big cast. And again, like you, like we mentioned before, this was bound to happen. These two never became tag team champions in NXT. So what made you think they were going to do it on the main roster? And when you got teams on the roster like the Hardy Boys and Sheamus and Cesaro and, you know, Gallus and Anderson, there's just guys who are tag team wrestlers. There's guys that are more established. There's guys that, you know, deserve to be more, you know, champions than Enzo and Cass do. Uh, again, like you said, Enzo is not a great performer in the ring. He's just not. Uh, and it's reality. I mean, I think he could even tell you that as well. I mean, it's obvious that Cass basically, uh, you know, pulls all the weight when he's in the ring. Enzo is just a really good entertainer, okay? On the microphone, his promos, everything. Gets the crowd pumped. That's what he's there for. Those two worked out perfectly. Like you said, Brian, the way Triple H, you know, hired Enzo because he saw him in a promo or whatever. That's the only reason why he got the job is because he saw how good he was during the promo. And they gave him a shot. And like you said, it's worked up until this point. I mean, I think they sold a lot of merch. Everything was going great. Everybody loved Enzo and Big Cass. I did as well. But it had to come to an end. Like, every tag team eventually comes to an end. Uh, so here it is. Big Cass has so much damn potential, like you said. Vince definitely saw dollar, size, dollar signs in him uh, right off the bat when they... Not even he doesn't even have to see a match from the guy. He just has to see how tall and how big the guy is. And right away, Vince probably loved him. And you could tell that this guy is going to be a big star over time. Uh, you know, again, it's going to take some time because I don't think they should push him right away. They made the same mistake with Roman Reigns, and look how that turned out. But you know what? This is going to be a good test because I want to see now when Big Cass becomes a huge star because you know it's only a matter of time. He's going to feud with Enzo and he's probably going to do something else because, again, Roman Reigns is still in the spotlight here. But over time, I think we're going to see a Big Cass and Roman Reigns feud. And now a lot of people will probably probably pull for Big Cass. But when that's all said and done and, and you know, over the next couple of years when Big Cass is pushed the way Roman Reigns is currently pushed right now, I cannot wait to see the fans' reactions. Are they going to turn on him just like they turned on Roman? Because I could definitely see it. Because this is what I envision at a big cast. I envision something very similar to what they did with Roman Reigns. I shove him down our throats until we hate him, and that's how they're going to go about it. But, uh, the whole segment was done good. Like you said, the tear in Enzo's eye was a great touch as well. I mean, I always think it's so unbelievable that they could do that right on the spot like that. I mean, I could not just cry out of nowhere for no reason when something is clearly fake. I, I cannot do that. So kudos to him. That was fantastic. It was a nice touch and a great promo from Big Cass. Again, that is that was just fantastic. I would have maybe done something a little bit differently, though, when, you know, they're standing there and watching the film or whatever. And then after the film was over, I would have just had Big Cass attack Enzo out of nowhere. I wouldn't have had him just say, okay, I did it, and then do the promo. I would have had him attack Enzo and then say that promo to him while Enzo was on the ground in agony. Uh, but it was cool to see Corey Graves revealing it as well. We still don't know why Corey Graves had that footage and what his relationship is here in this whole storyline with Kurt Angle and Big Cass. So that's also intriguing. So I think there's a lot more answers left to, uh, you know, left to come. But uh, it was a good start to this feud, to this rivalry that I think is going to go uh, for over the next two months. I think it'll culminate at SummerSlam or something like that. But I'm definitely intrigued by it. 
uh, and it was a good way to close out Raw this past week. Now, speaking of Roman Reigns, I've got to get into the promo he cut to kick off the show because I have a lot to say about this promo. So, again, you know, the big hype going to the show is that Roman Reigns has a big announcement regarding SummerSlam. And a lot of people thought, you know, there were different rumors that he's going to announce that he wants to fight The Undertaker again. Or he wants Goldberg. Or he wants this. He wants that. We didn't know. So, he comes out, again, being the cocky guy that he is. And he basically says, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the number one contender. Now, this promo just drove me nuts. And this is what makes me crazy with the, with the way WWE just books this guy is horrendous, all right? Again, as an in-ring competitor, I like Roman. The guy is not a bad wrestler. He's not. But the booking of his character is horrendous, and it comes from this promo. So first and foremost, he's going out there saying that, oh, nobody can beat me. Just ask Bray Wyatt. Just ask Finn Balor. Just ask Seth Rollins. Just ask this guy and this guy. But, Ryan, when we look back in history, Bray Wyatt holds a victory over Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins holds a victory over Roman Reigns. And, oh, yeah, back in August of, or July, uh, excuse me, of last summer, didn't Finn Balor pin Roman Reigns to become the number one contender for the Universal title against Seth Rollins at that SummerSlam? Didn't that happen, Ryan? I think it did. Let's go back in history. Bray Wyatt has a pinfall victory over Roman Reigns. So does Seth Rollins. So to have Roman Reigns come out and say that stuff. Oh, Bray can't beat me. Finn can't beat me. Seth can't beat me. Well, Roman, they actually did beat you. Yeah, you beat them too, but they beat you as well. So what's the point of your freaking promo? And then he comes out and just proclaims himself as the next number one contender. How's that fair? You didn't earn that opportunity. How are you the number one contender? And if that is the route they want to go to, Ryan, shouldn't Finn Balor come out and say, I should be number one contender? Heck, I never lost my championship. I just had to relinquish it because I was hurt. Shouldn't Seth Rollins come out, Ryan, and say, yeah, I deserve to be number one contender? Shouldn't Bray Wyatt come out? I mean... That promo just drove me nuts because the stuff he was saying, Ryan, was fake. None of that is true. Oh, Bray Wyatt can't beat me. Oh, no? I th- I, I look back in time and, and he did beat you. Oh, Finn can't beat me. Really? Finn didn't beat you? Didn't, didn't he beat you for the Universal title opportunity at SummerSlam? Oh, Seth can't beat me. I think Seth did, could beat you. He's done it before. So that drove me nuts. And then to him to come out and just proclaim himself as the number one contender because I'm the big dog. I'm the guy. That drove me nuts because, number one, Roman, you did not earn it. And number two, I'm sorry. If you're going to go that route, you should have Finn come out immediately. You should have Seth come out immediately. And you should have Bray come out immediately and say, hey, we all lost. So if you're going to come out and say, I deserve number one contender, guess what? I should be number one contender. No, I should be number one contender. They didn't go that route. And that's and that's the reason why, Ryan, people hate this guy. Because of the way he's booked. He is booked so freaking poorly that nobody could be on his level. Again, you know, I had no problem with Roman Reigns being the face of this company. But for, for the love of God, can you book this guy right it's absurd the way they booked this guy to have him come out and say this stupid shit. It's nauseating, the stuff he said on Raw. It was a joke. 
And then thank God Samoa Joe comes out. He gets in Joe's face. It gets in Roman's face. Says, "No, you never beat me." And then bam, headbutts Roman Reigns. Thank you, Samoa Joe, for saving that freaking segment because it was terrible. It was stupid. Yeah, Roman Reigns come out and said this stuff, and none of it's true. Yeah, he's beating these guys, but don't come out and say that. Oh, they can't beat me. They've done it. Don't come out and proclaim yourself you're the number one contender. You didn't earn it. Joe earned it. He won. If you want to be number one contender, earn it. You didn't. That that promo Ryan was just so nauseating. And that's the reason why people hate this guy. Because they do shove him down our throats. I don't think people hate him because he's not the greatest wrestler. They hate him because of the way he's booked. He is booked so freaking terrible. Terribly horrible. I, I can't say the words anymore of how bad he's booked. And that promo proves it of how bad he's booked. Because the stuff he said in that promo, none of it is true. It's just stop already. It's nauseating. It's sickening that they booked this guy the way they booked this guy. And I was just sitting there just in disbelief. I'm like, are they really going this route with Roman Reigns? Oh, Finn can't beat me. Bray can't beat me. I'm sorry, Roman, but when you look back in the history of the WWE, they did beat you. But guess what, Ryan? WWE likes to wipe away history. They try with Hulk Hogan. They're trying to do it with China and every other person. They're trying to wipe history away. Guess what? You can't. Fans are too smart these days. They know what happened in the past. They follow that shit closely. They can't get away with that stuff. It's just sickening, Ryan. I'm sick of the way they're booking this guy. Again, I'm not going to sit here and bash and moan saying that Roman should not be the guy. Because let, let's be honest. He's going to be the face of this company. But for the love of God, can you book this guy right, please? They have not done that with him. That's the only thing they've not done right with Roman Reigns. All right. His matches have been really good. He's had good chemistry with some of the top stars in his company. But what has been the most consistent problem with Roman Reigns is that his booking has really killed him. It's killed his image. People don't respect this guy because of the way he's booked. And it came to it came to, it proved itself on Monday with the with the promo he cut. It was terrible. So, Ryan, your thoughts on this god awful promo that Roman Reigns cut on Monday? Yeah, no, it was a joke. Like you said, it was a complete joke because you're sitting there as he's saying this stuff, and you're just like false, 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 and that's false as well because you know. I mean, if you've been watching for the past few years, I mean. I can remember every single victory that those guys got over Roman Reigns. I mean, when he said Finn Balor, that is the most notable one. Because Finn Balor's first night on Raw back in July of last year, coming off the heels of the WWE draft, he beat Roman Reigns fair and square, clean as hell, in the ring to become the number one contender to Seth Rollins uh, at SummerSlam. So that, what, right, that right there, when he said Finn Balor, I was like, whoa, 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 huh? Finn Balor beat you fit one-on-one, plain and simple. And you know what? I would have had Finn Balor come out and say that and bring that up because Finn Balor ain't doing nothing. I understand why you know Bray Wyatt couldn't come out, why Seth Rollins couldn't come out because they're currently in a feud right now. So it would just make no sense if they just turned their attention to the universal title. But Finn Balor is doing nothing. He is just chilling, all right? He was freaking beating up Bo Dallas on Raw. He could have easily came out and said something about that because, I mean, that, that made me furious right there. Like you said, yeah, Roman Reigns has beaten those guys, but they also have a victory over him as well. He's not untouchable. He's not undefeated. He has been beat numerous times before. 
It's just like John Cena. John Cena always seems to proclaim that he's number one, that he is this unbeatable force. He's like God. He has been beat numerous times. Everybody has been beat. Because, but you know what? Nowadays, they think us fans forget about everything. They think, okay, we can just mention this, and they're not going to pull this up from you know a couple of months ago. They will never remember that. And it's, it's stupid. It's insulting our intelligence. Because, uh, again, it made no freaking sense. The one thing I do like is that Roman Reigns is having a little bit of an attitude in its promos, okay? You might as well embrace the fact that the crowd will not like you as long as you stay a face like this. So, heck, get to get a little bit of attitude in your promos. Give it all back to them. Be like, you know what? I'm doing this because I'm Roman Reigns or I'm the guy. That is fine. I actually like that because, again, even WWE has been acknowledging as of late that nobody likes Roman Reigns. He gets booed. I mean, it's clearly obvious. Nobody is going to cheer this guy. Uh, unless, of course, you know, you're little kids and everything like that. But nobody's going to like this guy, so you might as well have a little bit of attitude towards your promos. You can't be this whole happy-go-lucky guy while everybody's booing you. So that is one thing I do like. But yeah, I mean, Brian, he's sitting there, and you just know that everything that he's saying is not true. It's not true one bit. And again, I, you know, it makes sense that he wants to become the number one contender, okay, because he's not doing anything right now. Braun Strowman came back, obviously, so they're going to have a match. But we all know what's going to happen in the end. I mean, you know, the rumors are out. Roman Reigns is supposedly not getting this championship match until next year's WrestleMania. Again, I guess this is the build towards that because he wants this match. He wants, you know, whoever wins this match at Great Balls of Fire. Again, it makes sense, I guess, but his explanation for wanting it because, you know, oh, because he, nobody can beat him one-on-one, this and that, complete garbage. And like you said, you're just sitting there mind-boggled, and it, it is nauseating to listen to. It is. I mean, I just sat there the entire time just laughing. I go, like you said, Ron, they're trying to insult our intelligence. Like, oh, they won't remember this moment. Yes, I do. The Finn Balor moment when he beat Roman Reigns was huge because it put him in the Universal title picture versus Seth Rollins at SummerSlam, which, by the way, he won. The first ever Universal Championship match was won by Finn Balor. How did he get there? He beat Roman Reigns on a Monday Night Raw. By the way, his first Monday Night Raw. So, again, it's amazing that they just try to come up with this stuff and they think that the fans won't remember. I'm sorry, Vince. Yeah, there are some idiot fans out there, but the majority of them know their shit. They're smart. They have their opinions, and they will remember this stuff. So, enough with that. The promo was just nauseating, and then it led to a Samoa Joe-Roman Reigns matchup, which was very good. But the biggest part of that match, here comes Braun Strowman. The ambulance in the back is driving. Back door is open. Here comes Braun Strowman. I'm not finished with you, which to me is one of the best catchphrases in, in the wrestling business today. I'm not finished with you. That should be a freaking t-shirt. Please make it happen, WWE. He comes out, uh, causes a distraction. Joe beats Reigns cleanly, thank God. Because part of me, even though, yes, yeah, Samoa Joe was definitely going to win that match, but you never know with Roman Reigns. Wouldn't shock me if Roman Reigns beat Joe cleanly. Yeah, that would be a great move WWE, but they did it the right way. Because it does protect Roman Reigns. He can't lose clean to the Samoa Joe. Yeah, Braun Strowman come out. He beats up Roman Reigns. I'm not finished with you. And then we have the the, the final match probably between these two guys at the, the, the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. Him versus Roman in an ambulance match should be very, very interesting. Those two guys have good chemistry together. But, yeah, just that whole Roman Reigns promo is just so stupid. really, really was. But Strowman's back. Good to see him back. Uh, he's one of the biggest draws on Raw. He's really important to their success. And it's good to see him back. I mean, as for the rest of Raw, trying to think about what happened. He had the women's segment. I mean, 
the, the continued rumors of this whole Bailey love angle stuff is now becoming more revealing now. Now reports are saying that oh they're gonna play a story that Bailey's never been kissed by a man, and that she's gonna she's gonna get her first kiss at SummerSlam probably to Corey Graves. Really, that's where we are with Bailey, a former women's champion of NXT, a former women's champion on Raw, a, a, a beloved figure in NXT, a beloved figure in women's wrestling. This is where we're at right now with Bailey. You're gonna have her in a love segment where she's never been kissed before. Really. That's stupid. I mean, come on. That's the best you got for Bailey. That's sad. It really is. If I'm Bailey, I'm listening to this garbage like, really? This is what you got for me? I've never been kissed by a boy? And it's going to be Corey Graves out of all people is going to give her the first kiss? The guy doesn't perform in the ring. The guy's a commentator. He's a broadcaster. If you want to do some sort of love angle, let it be someone who's actually competing in the ring. Let it be so. I don't give. Let it be Finn. Freaking Finn and Bailey have chemistry. Look at their stuff in NXT. They they have that. They could do a love angle between those two guys. Oh, those not two guys. Excuse me. Those two participants. It's it's just stupid stuff. Really. That that's what you got for Bailey. That's just sad. I mean, really. That's all you got for a former women's champion in both NXT and on the main roster. A beloved figure in NXT who had what. Some of the greatest matches in the brand's history with Sasha Banks and Asuka. That's what you have for her? I mean, Jesus, man. That, that, that just shows you how bad the creative team is in this day and age in wrestling. They don't know what to do with specific wrestlers. And they come up with the stupidest crap you'll ever see like that. That's stupid. So that's something that I just have no interest. Uh, Gallus and Anderson lose again. I've said it before. It's just time, you know, Gallus and Anderson to me have no future in this company. Just get the hell out of your contracts. Go back to New Japan Pro Wrestling because you will be utilized better there. WWE has no freaking clue how to utilize Anderson and Gallus. The only way their careers will be saved in this company is if they form the Battle Club or the Bullet Club 2.0, whatever you want to call it. If they reunite with AJ Styles somehow or with Finn Balor. That's the only way these two guys will be saved. If they're not with those, if they're not with Finn or AJ, they will not be utilized to the best of their ability, which is sad because Gallus and Anderson do not need AJ or Finn to succeed. They can succeed on their own, but WWE has no freaking clue how to utilize them. So again, that's really much it for Raw. Nothing really else happened. More about the Titus brand, which I really don't care about. Uh, Finn Balor and versus Elias Samson is going to be a feud now, really, like you said before. Finn Balor is just chilling right now. He's got nothing to do. He's feuding with Elias Samson, who freaking sucks. I'm sorry. I mean, in the very beginning, people loved Elias Samson, but now for two straight weeks, people are now seeing the real side of Elias Samson, and they finally realize that this guy sucks. He sucks at singing. His freaking character sucks. He's okay in the ring. Why are you pushing this guy? He serves no purpose on that roster. And again, Ryan, I'm the type of person that hates bashing talent. I, I do. I hate doing it, but when I look at Elias Sampson, what makes him so good? He's a god-awful cat. He has a god-awful character. He can't sing, because that's his, that's his gimmick specifically. He's supposed to be this quiet guy, but also a guy that can sing. He sucks at singing, and yeah, he's okay in the ring. He's not great. He's okay, and they have him feud with Finn Balor. This is what you give to Finn Balor. Like you said, Ryan, that whole Roman Reigns promo, I would have had Finn Balor come out and say, whoa, 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 whoa. 
I beat you. You you want to settle again in the ring? Let's go right at it. No, let's let's have Finn Balor face freaking um, Elias Sampson. And then now the th and then here's another thing, Ryan. The Miz Dean Ambrose stuff. Miz has himself an entourage. Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas, which I don't hate because it gives Axel and Dallas something to do. You're not wasting those three guys. You're giving them something. But the only reason why this is happening, Ryan, why this entourage is together is because they are officially splitting up Miz and Maurice. Now, why are they splitting up Miz and Maurice? Well, because they don't want their gimmicks to be too similar to Maria and Mike Kanellis on SmackDown. And if that's the freaking reason, shame on you, WWE. How dare you? Because guess what? One of the most interesting things I like watching on every single week in WWE is what Miz and Maurice are going to do. They have the chemistry. They're perfect together. Yes, because they're man and wife. But still, even if they weren't man and wife, they're perfect together. They feed off of each other very well. And you're going to split them up? Because you have Maria and Mike Kanellis doing the same thing on SmackDown? Who cares if they're doing the same thing? No one's going to give a shit. No one's going to sit there and say, oh, you know, oh, Mike and Maria, uh, Mike Kanellis and Maria Kanellis are a ripoff of Miz and Maurice. No one's going to say that. They're not going to give a shit. They're on two different shows. Who cares? Why in the hell are you splitting up Miz and Maurice? Makes no sense. Stupid. Ridiculous. You can't have it work out with those two along with Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. You can make it work. No, we got to split them up because they're too similar to Mike and Maria. Are you freaking kidding me? That's absurd. It really is. That's a joke. You just broke up a tremendous connection, a tremendous duo for a stupid reason. I just don't get it, Ryan. Again, I'm happy that Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel are getting this opportunity. Good for them. But it doesn't mean you should break up Maurice and The Miz. That's where the money is. They have the chemistry. They tr they're tremendous together. And you split them up for, oh, because we don't want them to be similar to Mike and Maria. That's garbage. That's just trash right there. That's awful stuff. And 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 Ryan, all right, so you're going to split them up. What is Maurice going to do? What is she going to do? She's not going to wrestle. She's a manager. She She's a person that's going to be on the outside being a manager. What is she going to do now? It's going to be so awkward to see her not with Miz. And the same goes with Miz. It's going to be so awkward not seeing Miz with her. Because they're married. Because they have that chemistry. Why in the hell are you breaking them up? It makes no sense. What are you doing? It's mind-boggling, Ryan, of how stupid, how, how clueless, how delusional the writing staff for WWE is. The creative team. Vince McMahon. Even Vince freaking McMahon. How delusional sometimes he is. And how it's a good idea to break up Miz and Maurice. Really? That's a great idea. Not going not gonna to bode well with the, with, the, with the fans. Not going to bode well. A lot of people are not happy about this. I'm not happy about this. Again, just because you're putting Axel and Bo Dallas with Miz. Doesn't mean you can just throw away Maurice. You can't. She's too vital. Too important to the Miz's success. And you're going to split them up because... Oh, you have Mike and Maria doing that stuff? Stop it. Stupid, stupid, stupid stuff. Ryan, your, your thoughts on that shit. 
Yeah, if that is indeed true, I mean, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, like you said. I mean, the way they think is just so far-fetched. I mean, really, that is the last thing that would come to my mind when I watch The Miz and Maurice, is that they're too similar to Mike and Maria. I mean, really, come on now. The Miz and Maurice, like you said, were doing great things together. I mean, it's a real-life couple, uh, you know, as an on-screen characters now. And, you know, Maurice just coming back last year, she has been great by Miz's side. And, again, it's believable because, like you said, they're husband and wife. They're legit married in real life. So now she's going to go on her own. Uh, again, I just I don't get it. I mean, unless they're going to add her to the women's division, which, again, I don't know why they wouldn't if she really is going to be on her own. I mean, what else is she possibly going to do? And I did like Maurice, you know, back in the day when she was an active pro wrestler. So unless they're adding her to the women's division, which really does not need an addition right now at this point, it's pretty much stacked as stacked can be. Again, I, I, it just makes no sense. And like you said, yeah, it gives Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas something to do. But is this really what we want to see them doing? I mean, again, so these two are going to be by the Miz's side all throughout this Intercontinental Championship comeback tour thing that he's got going on? I don't want to see these guys every single week by Miz's side. I mean, uh, I don't know how I feel about it, to, to be honest, Brian. I really don't. Uh, again, him and Dean Ambrose are going to have another match, I would presume, at Great Balls of Fire. And we'll see what happens after that. We'll see who he feuds with after that. But, I mean, really? This is what we're going with now? We're going with Axel and Bo Dallas by the Miz's side to help him win these matches now? Not what I want to see. And, again, like you said, if, if that is indeed the reason why they're breaking these two up, and it could be. I mean, it could totally be true, those rumors. I mean, again, it, it's now no coincidence that Mike and Maria show up and the, the Miz and Maurice are currently feuding with each other. So, again, the stupidest, most far-fetched reason you could possibly think of. That's exactly the way Vince McMahon thinks nowadays. Yeah, I just think the Ryan Steph just sits there and says, "All right, how can we make the show? How can we make the show bad and piss off the fans?" Oh, I know. Let's Roman Reigns walk out saying that he beat this guy and beat this guy, but he's never been beaten before. Oh yeah, let's break up Miz and Maurice. Yeah, let's put Bailey in a love angle. I truly believe that the Ryan Steph, when they have these meetings and going over the show, they try to think of the worst things possible. Because how could you be this dumb? Look, I'm not a smart guy, but I know better than the creative team. I know way better. I can come up with better shit than the creative team. It's amazing. These guys are professionals. They work for one of the biggest companies in the world, and they don't know how to write good shows. And guess what? With the shows not being good, Ryan, it's killing the ratings. The ratings for Raw have been so bad. So bad for so long. You would think that Vince McMahon would do something drastic to get the ratings back up, but he still does the same stupid shit. It's amazing. It really is amazing. So again, Raw wasn't that bad, but again, there was stuff on the show that you just sit there and go, what are they thinking? What are they doing? How does this make sense? So that's it for Raw. For SmackDown, again, we talked about a little bit about it. Yes, uh, we're having a second Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, I like the way they did his stuff on SmackDown. Carmelo kicks off the show uh, with the briefcase with Ellsworth. I, I have to say this. Again, you know, I've been hard on Carmella for a long time. But that promo she cut on SmackDown was tremendous. Great stuff. She acted like a true heel. She didn't seem fake. She didn't seem out of place. She acted like a heel. That arrogant, 
you know, bitchy heel that says, you can't do nothing about it. I won this briefcase. It doesn't matter how I won it. I won it. That was perfect. And I said it earlier in the show, I'm hoping that's the beginning of her rise. Because SmackDown Live could use another top women's performer other than Charlotte, Becky, and Naomi. And Carmella is the one that has the potential so hopefully, let's see if she builds off of that promo. Very, very good stuff. And, of course, later in the show, uh, Daniel Bryan came to a decision announcing that we're going to get a second Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. No surprise there. Uh, AJ Styles and Kevin Owens are continuing their feud now. They're going back to their stuff. Um, probably going to face each other for, for the United States Championship at, at uh, Battleground, which should be another good match. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Dolph Ziggler. Very, very good stuff. Really good stuff. And... I want to touch on this, Ryan, because we've seen a lot of fans on social media. They're saying that, oh, Shinsuke is not getting over with the fans. Uh, it's not working out with Shinsuke. His, the booking on Shinsuke has not been good. I disagree. Do you hear the reactions when this guy comes out? The people pop for this guy. I mean, look back at Money in the Bank. When he came back from that attack from Baron Corbin, the place erupted. When Nakamura came out, they were going crazy. When he walked into the ring and he was giving everybody the Kinshasa, people were going nuts. And on SmackDown, the Nakamura chance, I I don't see what people are seeing. Oh, he's not being booked well. He's not. It's not going well for him. I disagree. I think he's been fine. I mean, yeah, you want to see a little bit more from him in the ring, and they should give him a little bit more freedom to do his stuff. And I'm not all that happy that they have given the, his new nickname the artist instead of the king of strong style because he's made such a big name for himself with that nickname to just throw it away like that that's just not right that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me it's wrong but he's been good i mean look we're not gonna get the best of shinsuke nakamura until later on all right i do though agree that they overhyped them i think smackdown needs to really take it back a little bit with nakamura they're they're overhyping him we get it He's a superstar. He's charismatic. Maybe the most charismatic superstar in wrestling today. He's he's like nobody else in this company. He's so unique. We get that. But don't go too far with him. Just take it slowly. Be patient. And just utilize this guy to the best of his ability. And push him week by week slowly. Don't push him to the moon. Push him slowly week by week, and then once he gets more comfortable on the main roster, which he should very soon, you can tell that he's getting more comfortable, then that's where you start using him to the best of his ability. Don't go too far with him. But for those who think he's not getting over, I disagree. The fans love this guy. They're cheering for this guy. WWE is pushing him like a superstar, and the fans are looking at him like a superstar. They really are. They are backing this guy up. They've done a very good job with him so far. I mean, they could do a little bit better. But still, though, he's done some good stuff. And this match here with Ziggler on SmackDown, very good stuff. He looked good. Him and Ziggler had good chemistry together. Nakamura again, the win, of course, very good. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. There have been rumors that he could face Sami Zayn at SummerSlam. And I'm hoping to God they go with that route because I want to see a Zayn-Nakamura match. A rematch from their tremendous match back at TakeOver Dallas in, in April of 2016. But I, I don't see what fans are saying. They're saying that he's not getting over. I don't agree. He is getting over. The people are cheering for him. They're buying his merchandise. They, they're giving him the Nakamura chance. They like this guy. He's fun to watch. So 
that match was very good. Like that stuff. Um, you know, of course, he has some more stuff on the Usos and the New Days. They continue their storyline. Uh, Jinder Mahal took on Luke Harper. Very solid matchup. Baron Corbin came out, teased that he's going to cash in the briefcase. He did not. Here comes Randy Orton. He takes down Mahal. They're going to continue their feud. So overall, not a bad SmackDown. It was good stuff. You know, had some good moments there. Um, it looks like we're starting to get a nice glimpse of what could happen at Battleground. I do agree, Ryan. We're going to get another Mahal Orton match, looks like. AJ versus Owens is probably going to happen. Nakamura is a big question mark, what he's going to do. But I also got to say this, though, Ryan. I still don't understand what they're doing with American Alpha. I don't know what they're doing with Ty Dillinger. Uh, some specific superstars that have not been that have not been seen on television. I mean, for the first time in a long time, we saw American Alpha on television, but not as a tag team. Chad Gable came out, announced uh, that he was going to be the, uh, the the challenger for Kevin Owens' United States title. Good for Chad Gable, but what are they doing with American Alpha as a tag team? They're doing nothing. It's sad. And Ty Dillinger's done nothing. I'm not sure what they're doing with him. So. SmackDown's been a little bit better as of late, but there's still parts of the show where they gotta be better, and it co- and and that comes down to what they do with Alpha and Dillinger. They gotta give these guys something. You just can't keep these guys off the show. They're too good. I mean, Dillinger's okay. I'm not gonna sit here and say he's great. He's okay, but American Alpha is really good, and you got nothing for them. It makes no sense to me. But overall, Ryan, not a bad SmackDown, and next week should be good. You have the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. You have uh, Lana versus Naomi, and you also have um, another big thing going on next week on SmackDown. I forgot what it is. But uh, some good stuff next week on SmackDown, man. It should be really fun. But uh, for this week, not a bad show. Overall, really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was highly anticipated with the way, you know, uh, the pay-per-view ended on Sunday, or not how it ended, how it began with all the controversy with, uh, you know, the women's money in the bank and James Ellsworth and all that stuff. So, again, going back to what we said about this, you know, that finish created so much controversy, controversy, I should say, and uh, you know, it made people tune in. It made, you know, the show a little bit more exciting to see what Daniel Bryan was going to ultimately, uh, you know, come down to. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, he, he makes the announcement that it's going to be another Money in the Bank match next week, which I was really shocked about. Uh, I didn't think they were going to do another match on free TV nonetheless. So we'll see how that one goes down. Uh, like you mentioned, Lana is getting her rematch next week, so it should be good too. Uh, I think the other thing that's going down is the Hype Bros versus the Usos. Oh, yes, yes, chance yes. To, mm-hmm. to, yeah, to jump back into the title picture. Uh, nothing really, you know... Nothing really to speak of there. I don't think anybody really cares because I think it's just going to be the Usos and the New Day moving forward. I don't think the Hype Bros are going to jump right back in there. Not yet, at least. I think the big money feud is between those two tag teams, like I just mentioned. Uh, Nakamura Ziggler was good. We've seen that match, uh, you know, previously before, so that's good stuff right there. Like you said, everybody who says that Nakamura is not getting over, I also disagree. Um, again, I think he's just doing just fine. I mean, really, I'm I'm curious to see what they do with this guy moving forward. Um, I, I know the big money feud is with AJ Styles. Everybody knows that, but I'm curious to see if this guy will ever become a big time champion in the WWE because looking at him, yeah, he's unique. He's unlike any other performer that they have on the roster. But to me, he all he still needs a lot, you know, a lot of work on the mic. Of course, that's 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 normal. He's coming from Japan. He's he's you know his English is like broken up here and there, so he's not the best talker on the mic. But I think that could hurt him a little bit. 
Uh, and just, you know, he's got to get a little bit more comfortable. I did mention before that, you know, Money in the Bank was the most comfortable I've seen him on the main roster. So I'm curious to see how this guy gets booked moving forward. But right now, it's fine. I mean, how could you say anything less? I mean, he's winning matches. He's getting big-time matches. And he's not just fighting jobbers. I mean, Dolph Ziggler, I, I wouldn't really classify him as a jobber. He's he's getting into these big-time matches like the Money in the Bank match. So they know what they got with Nakamura. Uh, it's just a matter of time to see how they execute all this and how he feels and how he does, uh, you know, moving forward. So we'll see. Uh, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, I guess their feud is picking right back where it left off. Uh, quite surprised at that, but we'll see what happens uh, with that. I don't think AJ Styles is going to win that belt, but, uh, yeah, well, we'll see what happens. It was pretty funny to see um, Chad Gable come out, uh, uh, Kevin Owens at the U.S. Open Challenge, to see uh, anybody from Dayton, Ohio, uh, wanted to fight him, and then Chad Gable comes out to so just move there in the morning. Funny stuff there, again, uh, made me laugh a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, I thought Daniel Bryan was going to end the show on his big decision with the Money in the Bank situation, but we didn't get that. We got Jinder Mahal ending the show. You said, you mentioned before, Baron Corbin teasing the cash-in, and then, uh, you know, Randy Orton coming in and attacking Jinder, again, showing that this feud is far from over, uh, which, again, I, I presume that there's got to be another match, probably at Battleground. And there is some rumors about a Punjabi prison match returning. Yeah, I'll believe that when I see that. Uh, again, the Punjabi prison, that was quite a structure. Uh, if nobody's familiar with it, go Google what that was. That was quite the structure. I mean, that was like two two like steel cages, basically. But it was not a steel cage. It was like, I don't even know how to describe it. I would be shocked if WWE brings that back. If they do, it's definitely not going to be that structure. If they, I'm sure they're going to tweak some things and make it PG suitable uh, for today's audience. I highly doubt, like I said, they bring back the old structure. But like I said, I'll believe that when I see it. I do think, though, it makes sense because this match does need a stipulation. I do not want to see these two one-on-one -on -one, uh, just in a plain, normal wrestling match again. So... Yeah, I mean, not a bad SmackDown, and next week is a stacked show, so uh, I can't wait for next week's. I, I think the structure is, is bamboo, I think it's uh, that call. It's like that <clears throat> that wooden thing. It's like hard to break. I think it's called bamboo. I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, it's 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 an odd structure. It really is. Yeah, bamboo. It's 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 some it's some sort of bamboo. Uh, it's like two yeah, like you said, it's like two cages basically connected together. It's it's awkward. There were a couple of matches back then involving the Great Kali and the Undertaker, but we have not seen that structure. I think what ten years now it's been gone on. So I mean, yeah, I believe when I see it, but I do agree with you. I think to to conclude this Mahal Orton match. It has to be a stipulation. You just can't, you can't roll with another singles match. People are not going to be interested in it. So we'll see where they go with that. In terms of NXT, I did not watch it last night. Unfortunately, I had some plans, but I heard it was another good show. I heard Cassius Owner versus Aleister Black, a match that I have to watch later because those were two of my absolute favorite performers on the independents. Of course, they were known as Heroes Eventually Die, Chris Hero, and Tommy End. Did some great stuff together in PWG and in Evolve Wrestling. Um, they fought each other last night, so you knew there was going to be a good match. They had the chemistry together. So I got to check that out. Uh, we do have some news, though, regarding the uh, NXT title match between Roderick Strong and Bobby Roode. It's not happening at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, which to me is not a surprise. I didn't expect it to happen at a TakeOver uh, Brooklyn, it's just, it's just too far away. They're doing this, this they're, they're pushing this story very, very quickly. It's going to happen very soon, and 
in two weeks, basically. Uh, I think it's, um, yeah, in two weeks, the first episode of July for NXT, Roderick Strong will take on Bobby Roode for the NXT Championship, and that is, and that's actually the 400th episode of NXT. So that's a pretty big episode. So Roddy will get his shot against Bobby Roode. And this is what I think is going to happen. I, I think Bobby's going to win the match. It's going to be a very good match between those two guys. I don't see it disappointing. Roddy's going to come very, very close to winning. He's not going to win, though. And I think we're going to gear up for a Bobby Roode-Drew McIntyre match at TakeOver Brooklyn. Now, Aleister Black is a dark horse. Maybe, maybe they give it to him. Maybe he's the one to take the bell for Bobby Roode. But to be honest, I just don't see Black being the face of a brand. Because I think once Bobby Roode drops this championship, the next guy that's going to be holding it is going to be the face of the brand. And I just think Drew McIntyre is just a bigger, better face. The guy talks more. He's got more charisma. I wouldn't necessarily say he's got a better character than Aleister Black. Black's character has been utilized fantastically. He's, he's the silent assassin. He doesn't talk. He just goes out there and beats people up. But I just think Drew McIntyre is just more familiar with the fans. He's got a history there. And I just think he's more of a complete talent than Aleister Black. So I think he's better served to be in the face of the brand. Because I do believe very soon that Bobby Roode is going to be up on the main roster. I think it's a matter of time. You know, Yes, he may be... Uh, <clears throat> uh, Maybe... Um, the um the next uh I, I don't see excuse me I'm sorry I just uh lost track but um I just think you know it's t- um jeez I'm sorry people I just uh, uh lost my train of thought there but, oh there you go I just think it's a matter of time for Bobby Roode I mean yeah he may be 40 years old but um you know I I still think he's good enough to be on the main roster why not you know yeah 40 years old that to me age is just a number. Um, we actually lost Ryan, by the way. I gotta, you know, give him the number. Excuse me. Well, let me get this through. Give him the number. Should call back a little bit. Uh, some Skype connection problems. But anyways, yeah, I just think, you know, yeah, he may be 40 years old and people may not be a, a big fan of Bobby Roode. Yeah, he's not the best of wrestlers, but... He's got the character. He's got the charisma. That that's that's you know that's the biggest part of a superstar. Yeah, you, you you have to be a good wrestler. And Bobby is a good wrestler. Yes, he's not a great wrestler, but he's good enough. He's good enough to hold his own. He's had some good matches in NXT. Not star-studded matches like you know a guy like Finn Balor's had and like Kevin Owens has had. But Bobby can work. Got the character. He's got the charisma. So that's my take on Bobby Roode. And I and I just believe you know. You know, Drew, again, back to Drew McIntyre, I just think the guy, he's just better served to be the face of this brand. He really is. And uh, as we're getting the phone call right now from Ryan. Uh, Ryan, you there, buddy? I'm here, Brian. Yep. So, yeah, all right. Sorry, let me just, uh, let me just, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, let me just uh, fix up the settings here so we can hear you clearer. Right. Your quick thoughts on what happened in NXT this week. Oh, great NXT show. I really enjoyed it. Uh, A-Lister Black and Cassius Ono put on a great match. Uh, the women's stuff was very good, too. Uh, I'm looking forward to Roderick Strong and Bobby Roode. I think that was uh, officially announced today on Twitter. Uh, I'm not really sure if it was announced last night. I only saw bits and pieces of NXT, but I think that's going to go down uh, a couple of weeks, I think two weeks away, which is what we predicted. I, I don't think that that match was going to go down at TakeOver Brooklyn. Like you said, he's still banking on Drew McIntyre taking on Bobby Roode at that event. So, uh, yeah, get this match with Roddy. Uh, out of the way, and I think it's going to be a great match, and uh, unfortunately for Roddy, it's his wrong place, uh, you know, right place at the wrong time. I don't think he's going to win the belt, even though he definitely deserves it. 
I think it's going to be a great match, though. I'm definitely looking forward to it. So the storyline progression has been good for NXT. I really enjoyed last night. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely uh, two weeks away from uh, Roddy versus Bobby. That should be a very fun match. And then after that match, definitely expect to see uh, Bobby Roode versus Drew McIntyre at TakeOver Brooklyn. Now, let's quickly jump into the Mae Young Classic. Uh, we have not touched on this. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, WWE... Uh, is starting to reveal the participants in this tournament. They're not doing it one by one. They're just doing it separately. The first four participants were announced, I, I believe, a week ago. And the first four that were named were Tony Storm, Lacey Evans, Sarah Logan, or formerly known as uh, Crazy Mary Dobson, and uh, Lucha Libre champion Princess Sujhit. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But uh, those were the first four names announced. And then earlier today... They revealed five more women in this tournament. Uh, Tessa Blanchard, of course, is the daughter of Tully Blanchard, a former member of the Four Horsemen. Uh, Abby Lath, who was formerly known as Kimberly, who, of course, have, have, we've seen her on uh, NXT before. Uh, Tainara Kati, Jazzy Gabber, and Kavita Devi. So I'm not sure, I'm not familiar with those three girls, but of course, Blanchard. Uh, Abby Lath and Tony Storm, Sarah Logan. Right now, those are the four big names right there. Uh, I'm excited to see Tony Storm. I love Tony Storm. If you've not seen her work, check her out. She works throughout the United the United Kingdom independent scene, whether it's Progress, whether it's uh, Fight Club. She's all over there, and um, she has been on WWE's radar for a long time. From what I've heard, she actually wrestled at Access during WrestleMania weekend. Uh, very popular. I mean, if independent wrestling fans know her, she's fun to watch, very entertaining. And when you look at her, you have to think she's going to be one of the favorites to win. I'll be surprised if she doesn't make it to at least the final four. She's that good. And she's only 21 years old, by the way. That's very young. And just to see her this good, that young is really cool to see. Uh, again, also Tessa Blanchard. I'm a big fan of her. Again, another girl that just works throughout the independence. She works for Wrestle Circus. She's actually she's actually wrestling at Wrestle Circus, I believe, this weekend. I suppose I'm not sure, but uh, she's all over the map as well. She dates Ricochet, so she she's very familiar, of course, to people because she dates Ricochet. But again. Just look at the last name, Blanchard. You know, she is the daughter of Tully Blanchard. Tully Blanchard is one of the greats to ever wrestle back in the 80s. Uh, a vital part to the success of the Four Horsemen. And But she's great in her own. Happy to see her there. Uh, Kimberly, or now Abby Lath now. I mean, in terms of the name change, I don't have a problem with it. Um, but she's great as well. Expected to have a big run. And, you know, Sarah Logan, or Sarah Bridges, Mary Dobson, whatever you want to call her. She's also in it. So... First few names selected, very cool to see, and uh, more names, of course, should be announced over the next week. I'm still waiting to see if they're going to announce Candice LeRae and Nixon Newell and Kyrie Hojo. Those are the three big names I want to see in this tournament. To me, Candice LeRae is the best female wrestler on the independents. There is no argument. Kyrie Hojo will make a case for herself. She's fantastic, one of the best from Japan. And, Ryan, you know how much I love Nixon, Nixon Newell. She is one of my personal favorites. She's awesome, awesome stuff. She does awesome stuff on the independence. Not only does she fight women, she can also fight guys, and she kicks guys' asses. I, I, I call her the 
the British version of, of Candice LeRae, because that's what Candice LeRae does. You know, LeRae will work with the women, but she's also very familiar working with guys back in PWG. She had some classic matches with Adam Cole, with the Young Bucks, with Johnny Gargano, her husband, of course, with uh, Kevin Owens, or back at the time, Kevin Steen. And Nixon Newell's doing the same thing in the independence. She's wrestled Pete Dunne. She's wrestled Chris Brooks. She's wrestled Mark Andrews. She's wrestled some big names from the United Kingdom, and she's had some great matches with those guys. So right now, those are the few slated names announced for the tournament. Again, Tony Storm, be excited for her. Tessa Blanchard, excited for her. Uh, Abby Lath, excited for her. Sarah Logan, good for her. And expect to see more big names in the future. And for me, I'm hoping that we see LeRae, Hojo and Newell in this tournament. They will be great in this tournament. So, Ryan, your thoughts on uh, some of the uh, participants announced for the uh, May Young Classic? Yeah, I think so far so good. I mean, of course, like you said, we're all waiting for Candice LeRae to be announced. You would assume she would because she is one of the best, if not the best, uh, you know, women's wrestlers on the independent circuit, like you mentioned. But very, very cool to see Tessa Blanchard uh, getting the call. And, of course, Tony Storm who I am a big fan of as well. Of course, first ever Progress Women's Champion. She is just tremendous. Uh, a couple of unknown names. I'm not familiar with some of the names in the tournament, but that's always a good thing because similar thing happened in the Cruiserweight Classic, and I got introduced to a lot of new favorites in that tournament. So uh, the same should apply for here. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be very, very special. And uh, this is only the start. They haven't even announced half the participants. So I am very much looking forward to seeing uh, how the rest of the bracket uh, plays out here. Yeah, it should be fun. And again, uh, I believe, well, the tapings are coming up closely, actually. July 13th to the 14th, they're taping the tournament. So pretty soon, they're going to have to announce the rest of the field. And I think we'll get more this weekend, maybe a, a big list of names next week. We'll see. But it's coming closer. People people think it's far away. It's not. July 13th to the 14th is when they're taping the tournament. So they're going to have to have every single participant named before that, so we'll see what happens next and who will be next in line to be in the tournament. We're not gonna, we don't have enough time to uh, to uh, predict and preview the Evolve shows this weekend. But yes, we have two big Evolve shows going on this weekend. Sunday specifically, I'm gonna be there in attendance. The biggest match, of course, being uh, uh, Matthew Riddle versus Keith Lee for the WWN Championship. Looking forward to that matchup. Also, that. In that in that uh, show, Zack Saber Jr. defends the Evolved Championship versus uh, Jaka, of course, as a part of the Catchpoint um, the Catchpoint faction and uh, Evolve Wrestling. So, sh- should be some two really good shows this weekend for Evolve. I'm not really familiar with the first card. I think Zack's facing Matt Riddle or Keith Lee, one of those two guys for the championship on Saturday. Should be some other big matches. But yes, uh, if you're an Evolve Wrestling fan, very active weekend for you guys to so check that out. Of course, on Flow Slam. But tomorrow night is a big night, a big event, of course, for the. Um, for Ring of Honor, uh, best in the world. Their next big pay-per-view takes place tomorrow night, so we're going to go over the matches very quickly. We'll kick it off with some women action, actually. Deanna Perrazzo and Mandy Leone will team up to take on Sumi Sakai and the debuting Chris Wolf. Chris Wolf is a highly, highly underrated female participant a female, excuse me, female wrestler in the world today. So I'm going to pick Wolf and Sakai. It is Wolf's debut. I guess they want to give her a good debut to kick off her Women of Honor run with Ring of Honor. So it should be a fun, solid women's match. But uh, I'm going to go with Chris Wolf and Sumi Sakai to knock off Mandy Leon and Deanna Perrazzo. 
Yeah, interesting matchup right here. I'm really not familiar with those two ladies that you just mentioned. Uh, of course, familiar with Mandy Leone and Gianna Perrazzo, who pops up in every wrestling company nowadays, it seems like. Uh, so I'm going to go with them. I'm going to go with the faces here, but should be a fun tag match. I'm actually going to be curious to see if this actually airs on the pay-per-view. Usually they uh, just have these matches, these women, women of Honor matches, before the pay-per-view hits the air. But I'm curious to see if this actually does indeed get on the pay-per-view. If it does, congrats to those ladies. It deserves it. But, uh, yeah, it should be fun. Uh, another tag team matchup, uh, The Kingdom, Matt Taven and Vinny Morseglia. They'll take on Ultimo Guerrero and El Terrible, two guys, of course, coming over from the CMLL, the biggest wrestling promotion in Mexico. Again, you know, I'm not going to get into full detail into this match. I'm just going to go with The Kingdom. They, of course, are full-time Ring of Honor guys. Guerrero, Terrible are just there to fill up the card, so give me The Kingdom for the win. Yeah, I think they're going to put on a good showing, though. These guys, they usually come over from those kind of companies, usually put on a fun showing. Uh, it's entertaining, and they get uh, you know people to be like, holy shit, who are these guys uh, You know, with their moves and everything that they do in the ring? So that should be pretty cool to see. But like you said, the Kingdom, they're, they're true to Ring of Honor. They, they're the Ring of Honor stars here. Uh, that's basically what this is all about. So I'm going to go with the Kingdom as well. All right, eight-man tag team match, and there's an interesting stipulation in this matchup. The losing team must disband. There are two groups facing each other. We have Search and Destroy, and that consists of Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin of Motor City Machine Guns, Jay White, and Jonathan Gresham. They take on The Rebellion, Caprice Coleman, Kenny King, Rhett Titus, and Shane Taylor. I mean, I personally think they got to disband the Rebellion. I mean, I'm just not a fan of it. I really am not. I'm not a big fan of Coleman. Kenny King and Red Tires are good together. But with Coleman, I just think it's not working out well. Shane Taylor is another guy that should be on his own. I like Search and Destroy. This whole unity with the machine guns and White and Gresham is pretty cool. So, again, it, it can go either way. But give me Search and Destroy to knock off the Rebellion. Yeah, I mean, uh, Search and Destroy is fairly new, if, if I'm not mistaken here. I mean, I don't think they've been together for all that long. Uh, if they have, I just, I guess I've been living under a rock. But the Rebellion has been around for some time. Uh, to me, you know, it, it was successful in the beginning, but I think it's dragging now. I'm really not into it. Like you said, Caprice Coleman in there. It, it just, I don't think it's going to work out in, in the end. I'd like to see them disband and see what goes on there. Maybe they feud with each other or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I'd like to see them disband. Uh, out of everything so I like you said search and destroy it's pretty cool I mean it's cool to see the guns teaming up with Grisham so uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the rebellion losing this match so search and destroy pick up the win all right six-man tag team match for the ring of honor six-man tag team titles the current champions bully Ray and the briscoes will defend against Dalton Castle and the boys who yes have re-signed with ring of honor great news for them they needed to keep Dolan Castle. He's one of their biggest attractions. But easy pick here. I just do not see the boys in Castle winning. It's just too tough for me to see those three knock off the badass Briscoes and Bully Ray. So easy pick. The Briscoes and Bully Ray retain their titles. I would love to see Dalton Castle and the boys with the belts. I think that would be so much fun to watch. Uh, you know, give Dalton Castle a championship. I mean, my God, this guy is so entertaining. Uh, the boys are so entertaining, too. And you know what? Don't sleep on the boys. They're pretty solid professional wrestlers. I mean, when they do moves here and there, they're pretty solid, i got to say. So that would be fun to see them become tag team champions. But like you said, Brian, this is an obvious pick here. I'm going to go with uh, Bully Ray and the Briscoes to hold on to these belts. 
Our next matchup is just a normal singles matchup. Jay Lethal versus Silas Young. These two have been basically feuding with each other now for about a month or two. Haven't really paid full attention to it, but they are starting to push Silas Young a lot more. He's getting some bigger matches. And it wouldn't surprise me if he does beat Jay Lethal so they can elevate him even more. But to me, Jay Lethal is just too damn good. He's too big of a star. Uh, should be a fun match no matter what, but give me Lethal for the win. Yeah, this is interesting here. Uh, again, I've never really been a fan of Silas Young, really. He's a, he's a tremendous wrestler. He really is a tremendous talent to have. But I just have not been into him. I'm not into his gimmick. Uh, to me, I just don't see him as a, a main event star here in Ring of Honor. Uh, he does win a couple matches here and there. But like you said, Jay Lethal is the big guy here. Uh, Resigned with Ring of Honor recently. I think he wins this match and then possibly gets into the title picture again at some point. All right, next matchup is a strap matchup. This has been a rivalry going on for a little while now, ever since this guy betrayed this faction as Frankie Kazarian takes on Bullet Club member Hangman Page. Now, back at um, the uh, uh, excuse me, War of the World show in New York City, it was um, Page who beat uh, Frankie Kazarian, so this is their rematch, and it's a strap matchup, so interesting stipulation. To me, giving Paige the win makes the most sense because he's a young guy, is going to be part of this company's future, he's going to have a big role very soon in Bullet Club. But to be honest, I just think Kazarian's going to win to even the score. This could be a long feud, should be a physical, fun matchup, but I don't know why. It's a toss-up to me. I want to see Paige win, but it wouldn't shock me if Kazarian does win, so I'm going to go with Kazarian to knock off uh, Hangman Paige. Yeah, me too. Just simply because, like you said, Hangman Page already got the better of uh, Frankie Kazarian at the last pay-per-view. So I think Kazarian evens the score. I've never really been a fan of strap matches. I think it's kind of stupid in my opinion. Uh, but I think they're going to put on an entertaining match. So, uh, you know, their match in New York City was really intense. Them spitting on each other and shit. It, it got pretty intense uh, at one point. So I expect this match to be pretty good. But give me Frankie Kazarian, like you said, to even up the score here. All right. Then we have the three major title matches on the show. First and foremost, the tag team titles on the line. The Young Bucks are back, of course, as champions. will defend their belts against War Machine, who, of course, dropped the IWGP Heavyweight Championships not too long ago. Again, these two teams know how to work together. They have faced each other all over the world, in Japan, here in the United States. So for this match, it's going to be really, really good. They have great chemistry, but easy pick here. Again, the Bucks just became champions. They're not going to drop these belts anytime soon. They're going to hold these belts throughout the summer, I believe. Maybe drop it at Final Battle to some other team. Should be a fun, entertaining matchup, but to me, Bucks easily get the win. Yeah, it's going to be another great match between these two teams. They know each other uh, really, really well. Like you said, the chemistry is there. But uh, I think if you're Ring of Honor, you keep the belts on the Young Bucks and you just ride this thing, uh, you know, in, until, you know, uh, it gets dragged out a little bit, even though those two can never get, you know, the ring or anything like that. They are always entertaining. I, I wish they could stay champions forever because that's how damn good they are. Uh, but I think at one point they will lose the belts. I just don't think it's going to happen right now. So give me the Young Bucks to retain. Kushida versus Marty Skrull for the television championship, of course. At the TV tapings after uh, War of the Worlds, uh, Kushida actually knocked off Skrull for this championship. So Marty's getting his rematch. Uh, I really want to pick Marty to get the belt back because, you know, I just don't see Kushida being both TV champion as well as IWGP junior heavyweight champion. But at the same time, Kushida just won the belt and I just don't see him drop yet right now. I mean, he's going to drop it soon. I don't see him being that champion for a long time. But I don't know. I just have this feeling that it's just not right now the time for Kushida to drop the belt because he just won the belt back. I mean, I want to see the belt back on Marty because he deserves to be champion. But... 
Kushida just won it. I think he's going to hold on to it a little bit longer. Not that long, but a little bit longer. So it should be a fun match no matter what. These two guys can absolutely work. But to me, not right now for Kushida. I think he retains the belt. Yeah, you know, I got Marty Skrull here. And again, this is a toss-up because, like you said, I, I could see Kushida winning too. Uh, I just, I don't know. I have a tough time seeing him hold both championships. Uh, you know, he just won the championship at, back at Dominion. Uh, so I just don't think he's going to hold on to the TV title as well. Uh, you know, I think Marty's on such a big high right now. Why not give him the belt back? To be honest, I don't even know why he lost it in the first place. I thought he was going to go to the main event right off the bat. It didn't happen. Uh, so I think he'd give the belt back to him uh, for a little bit. Cause I just, I don't know. I have a tough time seeing Kushida hold on to both belts at the same time. All right, and then finally in the main event for the Ring of Honor Championship, Christopher Daniels versus Cody Rhodes. Um, it has to be Cody. I, I just think we're at that time now. I mean, I love Christopher Daniels. He's one of my all-time favorites, and I was so happy for him when he won the belt back at the anniversary show versus Adam Cole. But I just think it's time for a change. I mean, yes, Cody Rhodes is not officially locked in with Ring of Honor, but I just think you want to make some noise. You want to make a statement. You want to make some headlines. Cody Rhodes winning this belt just to me just makes too much sense. It does. I, I don't see Christopher Daniels holding on to this belt any longer. And let's be honest, if Daniels does retain, who does he move on to next? I mean, who is that next big heel to challenge Daniels for this belt? Are they going to go back to Jay Lethal? You really want to do that? I mean, Marty Skrull will be in that picture soon, but not right now. So I just think just to change it up a little bit, I think Cody winning the belt makes a lot of sense. So give me Cody to actually knock off Daniels and become the next Ring of Honor champion. Brian, I want to pick Cody. I really do. Uh, you know, I think it would definitely up the ante a little bit, too, uh, with his incoming matchup for the IWGP heavyweight title against Okada in Long Beach just a week after this event. Uh, again, it, it definitely adds so much intrigue if that does happen. I, I, I just have a really tough time seeing him become champion. I think Christopher Daniels holds on to this for a little while longer at least. Uh, maybe this feud keeps going. Maybe some controversy happens, where uh, you know, which causes Cody not to win the belt. I just have a tough time seeing Ring of Honor give the belt to a guy who's not signed to the company. Now, Cody Rose will always show up. If you give him the belt, he'll show up every Ring of Honor show because that's the type of guy he is. He, you know, he always you know, uh, fulfills his commitment, but I just have a tough time seeing them do that. I think Chris Daniels holds on to this belt for a little while longer uh, and retains in the main event. All right, there you go. So tomorrow night, best in the world on pay-per-view, I believe, 9 p.m. Eastern time. So check it out, guys. Should be another fun show for Ring of Honor. And we're going to close out the show, guys, with our predictions for the G1 special next week. And again, we're not going to have a show next week. Ryan's going to be on vacation. So get this out of the way. It's a big weekend for New Japan Pro Wrestling simply because this is their first show ever in the United States. Now, a lot of the the performers on the shows, they've been to the United States before, but for New Japan itself to bring its entire company, the show itself, to the United States, a whole different ball game. So looking forward to the show next weekend. And we're only going to predict the big matches, all right? There's two nights, but we have big matches on both nights. So we'll kick it off first with some title matches. Uh, first and foremost, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Tiles are on the line. This is a night two matchup. The Young Bucks against Rapongi Vice, another matchup between these two tag teams. Of course, these two recently met at Dominion. Awesome match. The Bucks won the belts that night, and they're going to keep the belts this night as well. To me, again, too early. 
RPG Vice will be champions, I believe, one day yet again. But the Bucks just won the belts not too long ago. Makes no sense to take the belts off of them again. So give me the Bucks to knock off Rapongi Vice. Yeah, like you said, Brian, they literally just won these belts. Like, literally. Uh, I don't think they're dropping them. Again, they basically, uh, you know, play hot potato with these belts. They throw it to the Bucks. They throw it back to Rapongi Vice. Throw it back to a, some random team here and there, and then back to Rapongi Vice and back to the Young Bucks. Again, it's a constant circle, it feels like, with the uh, junior tag team titles in New Japan. But I think, you know, the Bucks literally just won them. I think they'll hold on to them. Now, the heavyweight tag team titles are going to be on the line. But at night one, War Machine versus Gorillas of Destiny in a rematch as well from Dominion. And again, same as the Bucks, makes no sense to put the belts back on War Machine. G.O.D. just won the belts back. So, again, easy pick. G.O.D. remains the champions. Yeah, I guess this is, uh, you know, mainly a show of rematches. Uh, a couple of big-time rematches here. This is another one. Like you said, G.O.D., again, literally just won these belts, so I don't see them dropping them. Uh, it is going to be a good match, though, for the USA crowd over there in Long Beach. Uh, but, yeah, no way G.O.D. drops these belts right away. All right. Uh, the Intercontinental Championship will be defended night two. Hiroshi Tanahashi defends the belt against Mr. Ass, Billy Gunn. Yes, Billy Gunn's getting the opportunity to wrestle for the Intercontinental Championship, I mean, my expectations for the match are not that high because, you know, Billy Gunn's older, Tanahashi's an old guy. So, I mean, should be okay, but for the decision, easy pick here. Tanahashi's going to win. Billy Gunn is not a full-timer in Japan. Tanahashi's one of the best in that company. And just like the Bucks, just like G.O.D., he just won this belt. He's not dropped yet anytime soon. Tanahashi will remain the champion. Yes, yeah, so it's created a lot of controversy with this match. Uh, it seems random as hell. Why Billy Gunn is an opponent for Tanahashi, I have no idea. It probably won't be too bad, though. I mean, come on, Billy Gunn's not terrible. Uh, but, yeah, there's not, not a chance he wins the Intercontinental belt here. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a big joke right there. So, no way Tanahashi will retain. And then on night one, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship is going to be defended. Okada will defend the belt against Cody Rhodes, who could be Ring of Honor champion and will look to become, I believe, the first man ever to be Ring of Honor champion and IWGP Heavyweight Champion at the same time. We broke this down last week. I just don't see it. Cody Rhodes is not a full-timer in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and if he becomes Ring of Honor champion... It makes even less sense for him to become IWGP Heavyweight Champion again. Okada is on a is on in a tremendous reign as champion. He has been absolutely killing it. He's had the best year of any wrestler so far in the business today. So I just do not see it happening. So should be a fun match no matter what. But easy pick here. Okada will retain. And if there's anybody again that should be Okada for this belt. It should be Kenny Omega. It's still possible. Who knows what's going to happen, but it's not going to be Cody Rhodes. Okada retains. Brian, I love Cody Rhodes. I really do. I'm a huge fan of him. But if he wins this belt, I will be irate. Okay? This is not his championship to win. This is Kenny Omega's title to win. And if it's not Kenny Omega, you keep that belt on Okada because there is nobody else that deserves it at this point, okay? You can make a case that Naito probably does. But again, Kenny Omega has proved not once, but twice that he deserves to become IWGP heavyweight champion. I, I, there's not a chance that Cody Rhodes wins this match, first of all. Okada will retain. I think it'll be a very good match. Uh, but, I mean, come on, man. If Cody Rhodes wins this, I will be fuming because that is not his title to win. It's Kenny Omega's. I don't think he has any shot. Okada easily, I think, retains this belt. 
And finally, we're going to cap it off with our predictions for the IWGP United States Championship Tournament. That's right. That weekend, we will crown the first ever United States Champion. So we're going to go through these matches quickly. Here's the bracket. First match, Jay Lethal versus Adam Hangman Page. I want to go with Page here, but Jay Lethal to me is going to be one of the finalists in this tournament. So give me Jay Lethal to knock off Page. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, Jay Lethal has made it known that he is coming for this belt. Um, I think he wins this match. Next matchup, Kenny Omega versus Michael Elgin. Such a shame that one of these two guys is going to be missing the second round. Uh, they've had a history together. They've faced each other before multiple times. I want to go Kenny Omega, but to me, he's just... Yes, it's fun that he's in this tournament, but that's not what his sights should be on. He should be going after the heavyweight championship, and I definitely think we're going to see some deja vu back at the New Japan Cup when Ishii knocked off Omega. I think we're going to see the same thing because you have to look at Elgin as one of the favorites to win this tournament. I think he has a better shot than Omega. So, unfortunately, I don't see Omega winning this match. Shockingly, give me Michael Elgin and knock off Kenny Omega. Wow, that's a pretty bold prediction right there, Brian. I mean, uh, Again, I hear what you're saying. It's going to be tough because, again, if Kenny Omega is not winning this tournament, I mean, who, who does he lose to in this spot, you know? I do think he gets past Michael again, though. I think losing in the first round is not a good look whatsoever. Uh, I think he does win here. Again, it's going to be tough if he don't win this tournament when he does actually lose, but I think he gets past Mike, Big Mike here. All right, so we then move on to Tomohiro Ishii versus Tetsuya Naito. Should be another great match. Ishii is very underrated, but easy pick here. Give me Naito for the win. Yeah, I think so as well. I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup, uh, to say the least. So I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, yeah, I think Naito wins this match. And then finally, Juice Robinson versus Zack Sabre Jr. I love Zack, but to me, Juice Robinson has a tremendous shot of being the winner of this tournament. I think this guy could be in the finals. That's how high I am on Juice Robinson. I love Zack, but to me, again, he's another guy that's just not fully committed to New Japan like Juice is. So give me Juice to beat uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, as, I'm high on Juice Robinson as well, just like you are, Brian. I think he's tremendous. Man, ever since leaving WWE and joining New Japan, he has literally just turned over a whole new leaf. He is just a new man with a new attitude. He's just fantastic. If you have not seen him since he left WWE, definitely check him out. His stuff is awesome. I, like you said, he's fully committed to New Japan. I think he has a real good shot to win this belt here. I think he will beat Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, so that should be a good match. Uh, we then move on to the second round. Jay Lethal versus uh, Michael Elgin for me. And you, Ryan, have Lethal versus Kenny Omega. Uh, personally, to me, I think Lethal is going to make the finals. I really do. They're really you know, making this a serious thing for Jay Lethal. So I think it doesn't matter. If it's either Omega or Elgin, I still think Lethal wins the match no matter what. So give me Jay Lethal for the finals. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I was going to say as well. It doesn't really matter who won that first match that we just predicted. I think Jay Lethal is a finalist here. So, yeah, Jay Lethal will knock off Kenny Omega in, in my case. And then we have Juice Robinson versus Tetsuya Naito. We both agree that that's going to be the second-round matchup. And I'm going with another upset, Ryan. I believe Robinson's knocking off Naito. It's probably delusional for me to say that, but... I just have a feeling Juice is going to have a big run in this tournament. I really do. And, again, just like Omega reasons, I just think Naito is better off of going for the heavyweight title than the United States title. So, to me, I mean, Naito could be in the finals. It wouldn't be shocking if he is. But, to me, you should elevate Juice Robinson in this spot. And I think they will. So, give me Juice to knock off uh, Jay Lethal. Very, very I, I mean, excuse, prediction uh, on your part. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, Juice but, uh, knocks off Naito. My bad. All right. So, continue. 
Yeah, very bold prediction on your part, Brian. Uh, but I think Naito knocks off Juice here. We've seen this match before. I'm really looking forward to it if it does happen again because the first matchup was very, very good. It made Juice look like a star. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think Juice has a good shot, and he could beat Naito. He could knock him off. I don't see it, though. I think Naito wins. And in my finals, I have Lethal versus Juice. You have Lethal versus Naito. Anyways, both matches should be awesome. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, Ryan, but I'm picking Juice Robinson. I think this is his time. Yes, Lethal could win, but Lethal... I, I just think this belt... This is a belt that's going to be defended within New Japan. It's not going to be a belt defended in Ring of Honor often, all right? And Jay Lethal's more of a Ring of Honor star than a New Japan star. Juice Robinson works for no other company but New Japan Pro Wrestling. He is a New Japan Pro Wrestling homer. And I just think that they really want to elevate this guy. This is the best way to do it. So I can't believe I'm going to say this. People may think I'm nuts, but I'm going to say it no matter what. Juice Robinson will be your first ever IWGP United States champion. I like it. I like it a lot. But I think Jay Lethal is going to become the first ever IWGP United States champion. Uh, again, like you said, he is a Ring of Honor guy. He is. But he just resigned with Ring of Honor to the surprise of a lot of people. But Jay Lethal is a guy who has literally done everything you could possibly do in a Ring of Honor at this point. That's why everybody was so shocked that he resigned. I think he's going to start doing a lot of work in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and I would love to see that. That is why I'm picking him to become the new United States champion. He's going to make a lot of uh, appearances over there in New Japan. Uh, and, and you're going to start to see Jay Lethal become maybe more of a New Japan guy. I think that's what's going to happen. Either way, though, I wouldn't be mad. I think anybody in this tournament, in, in this you know, bracket of people winning this belt, anybody who wins, I think I'll be happy with because everybody here in, in this bracket is a great star, in my opinion. But I just pick, I, I'm just picking Jay Lethal to knock off Naito here in the finals. Uh, I, I think it's bound to happen. So either way, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yep, Jay Lethal you have. I had Juice Robinson winning. Anyways, though, it should be a fun tournament uh, next week. Again, guys, we have no show next week. I believe we'll be back two weeks from now. Uh, again, guys, if you want to follow us on social media, at Royal Ramble IYR on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. Follow us on Instagram, at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Again, guys, if you happen to miss us live on itsyourradio.com, Give us a look on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our show. Give us a rating, guys. Check us out. We want to hear from you guys, of course. Leave your feedback. Um, hopefully, a couple of weeks from now, we'll touch more on the May Young Classic. And, of course, the G1 Climax Tournament. The participants have been announced. And one big name is making a comeback. And that is the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi. We'll talk about that more when we get close to the G1, which is happening, I believe, in three weeks. So that's big stuff right there. Kota Ibushi back in New Japan Pro Wrestling as Kota Ibushi. And I definitely believe there's a good chance that we could see him become the G1 winner. Don't be surprised if he does. So we'll touch on that in the next coming weeks. Hopefully everyone enjoys their weekend. Hopefully Ryan enjoys your vacation. Man, have a good time in Florida. Uh, hopefully we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. A little bit of a break for the Royal Ramble. But guys, again, you want to follow us on social media. We're still pretty active on that. So have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy Best of the World tomorrow. Enjoy the Evolve shows this weekend. Also enjoy Wrestle Circus if you're a big independent professional wrestling fan. Big show this weekend for Wrestle Circus. Check that out. Also the G1 special next week. So that's all the time we got. I'm Brian Sendek. He's Ryan Waterano. This has been 
the Royal Rumble Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you guys hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see you next time.